buddy, listen, I know that's not that's 2020. I know. Listen, your world is crumbling down around you. It's not just your video game. That's 2020 in a nutshell. Saying things that aren't right right now is uh, is as obvious as saying that like balloons are round. So sometimes you come across one of those weird balloons, those long ones that clowns make absurd animals out of. You know the saying, when life gives you lemons, make lemonade. Well, when life gives you one of those long, weird, lumpy balloons, just do what daddy did. Make a couple of kids and call it a day. You know what I'm saying? We are recording. The mics are on. Oh, shit. Moto One Podcast Network. You're listening to Creative Writing, the podcast that's like that missing 10 millimeter, but you kind of wish you never found it. Somehow you did, and like our supporters on Patreon, you too can support the show by going to patreon.com forward slash creative writing. While you're at it, head over to our Zazzle store and check out our merch there by searching Creative Writing Podcast. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, anywhere else except for TikTok and Ding Dong. Because we ain't going to go there, but on Twitter we are. And Tumblr, thanks, bye. All right, everybody, thanks, bye. And uh, welcome to the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the latest show. Hey, Tobor, why don't you ever sing with me? Just, uh, you know, welcome to the show. Or welcome to creative writing. Want to do it? Look, three, two, one. Hit it. Welcome, Welcome to the show. You suck. You're supposed to sing. Can I guess robots can't sing, right? Is that the problem? Okay, you weirdo. You're the weirdo. Listen, you're the one that can't sing. I thought with all that crazy electronics in there, you would have some sweet, sweet like uh, music program or something like that. So anyway, uh, good evening, Tobor. Yes, good evening, Junkie. Yeah, how you doing? Listen... Uh, you're looking pretty good right now. Um, you got all, you got yourself all groomed. You're all waxed up and cleaned and shiny, and uh, you're looking great. So welcome to this uh, creative writing. Look good. How do I look? I shaved for you. Like I comb my hair. The sexual tension in this room is killing me right now. Holy shit! You screamed that in my ear, Tobor. Calm down, boy. Anyway, it, it is the the sexual tension in the room is killing me as well. Um. <laughs> Right? Come okay, on. you weirdo. You're the one that just said it, and now you're calling me a weirdo. Tobor, you need to make up your mind. Um, so, hey, Tobor, on this week's show, listen, we are going to... Thanks for warning me the mic's wrong when I'm talking to my son, by the way. You could have you could have pointed to the red light or turned the red light on, so I would have known that. Um, and stop saying some crazy-sounding stuff on the show. People are going to think that I smoke crack. You should really stop smoking crack on the show. People are really going to think I'm smoking crack if you keep making comments like that. Now, Tobor, knock it off. Uh, Tobor, listen. Uh, this week in the show, we're going to recap a little bit of 2020. So it's going to be a long year. Listen, it's already been a long year. So why not? Why does why does Mel? Why does Mel? I can't speak right now, Tobor. And it's not that I haven't even drank anything today. I am thirsty. Maybe I, there's lighter fluid over there. We are in the garage. We're in the studio, uh, garageio slash studio. Um, right now, I have a bunch of paint fumes and uh, uh, fuel vapors floating around. So maybe I am a little delirious. All right, all right, Tobor. Listen, give me that Uzi. Ah! 
God, that felt terrible. Listen, um, there is a a real street take takeover happening right now. I can hear somebody's drifting. I can hear it. Ram, ram. You don't hear a motor like that at the drag strip. Now I live very close to the drag strip, but usually you hear bwang, 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 and occasionally bwang, 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 you know, when somebody blows their motor. Right now, I just hear someone feathering the throttle. They are definitely doing like a real street takeover nearby. Um, I don't hear the bwang, bwang. Yeah, that's what you sometimes hear at the drag strip. This is definitely drifting. So, and also I hear a helicopter right now. Yeah. So if you, and that's not Gary Canary giving us the news, by the way, Tobor. Um, so, hey, everybody, on this week's show, we're going to give a little bit of news. Right now, I do want to say, you're going to hear us talk about this later. South uh, New Jersey Motorcycle Film Festival is happening right now. Head over to RevSisters.com. Um, if you don't want to listen to the next uh, boo, board. I feel terrible right now. Listen, let's end the show really quick. Yeah, let's get this thing over with really fast. Oh, make it three hours, you say? Tober's holding up three fingers. You only have three fingers, but I know uh, if you want the show to be four hours long, you'd hold up two hands. You want to make it three hours long? Okay, so Tobor says make this show three hours long. Well, hey, guess what? We have a guest calling in in a little bit, so that ought to be exciting. And we're going to already talk about the South New Jersey Motorcycle Film Festival. I already know it. So right up front, I'm going to give you a little preface, a little snack pack. Um, if you would, please go to RevSisters.com, sign up for the South Jersey Motorcycle Film Festival on that website. Of course, you're hearing this Sunday, so why... Junkie Turdman, are you telling me about this on the day it ends? Well, it's a fabulous festival. It's a virtual festival. It's a festival of curated films. Um, It's not necessarily something you have to show up live to so that you can be part of their TED Talk BS. None of that bullshit. This is a uh, a, uh, curated film festival, so you have access to hundreds of motorcycle films from... Uh, documentaries to short short films. You can pick the style. You can pick the genre. There's a pick list. Go for it. Um, and the reason I'm telling you about this on Sunday is so I can give you an honest review. I've watched a few of them. I've enjoyed a few of them. I will talk about a few of them with the guests that we're going to have on in a little bit. And uh, I think you should go by the, the pass that uh, extends it out to the 13th. What's that smell? They're at it again. The folks at RP Enterprises solving two world problems with one great solution. You got a hankering for some of Grandma's hush puppies? Sure you do. They're delicious. You love them. Well, how about solving world hunger and the pet overpopulation problem with one easy, simple, tasty solution? Fist Puppies from RP Enterprises. Never have to listen to a Sarah McLaughlin song again about it. Fist Puppies available only at Hetty's on 4th Street. Hey everybody, this is Nathan Flats from Flats Tires, reminding you to come on down and get everything you need for your bike. We've got tires, they're round, they're made of rubber, and we supply everything you need, including valve stems. The only thing you need to supply is the air. That's right. Come down to Flats Tires. We're on the corner of State Street and First down in Epperton.
Looking for a high-quality leather that doesn't cost an arm and a leg? Well, not yours anyway. Try Criders, made in the USA from 100% renewable resources. We don't use fancy hide like kangaroo or elk, nor do we use other imported hides like jaguar or okapi. Those animals are scarce and protected. We extrapolate our hides from a unique source of marsupial. Not a wallaby though, if that's what you were thinking. Criders leathers are made from the United States' most renewable resource, the common opossum. The common opossum is so common, in fact, that thousands of hides go to waste each year on American roadways. We don't believe in letting these valuable garment farms end up in the city dump, especially with a looming leather shortage on the horizon. Criders is dedicated to rider safety, and a low overhead is our number one priority. Visit Criders today and we'll fit you up in new skin. Possum skin! Criders, the cheapest leather you'll wear. Visit Criders now. We're located down by the stream behind the old recycling factory. Criders Leathers. All right. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to another fabulous episode of the Creative Writing Motorcycle Podcast. Uh, as usual, I am a day late and a dollar short, but I'm still your host, Junkie Turd Man. And on this week's uh, episode, we got with us a, uh, a longtime listener, I think one of the first listeners, uh, a Southern California resident. And our only $20 patron who still acts like he's a $10 patron, but <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we got Brian Biffer, and he's a fabulous, actually, um, field reporter at large. You've done a lot of stuff in the past for us, uh, co- got some awesome, uh, I know Biltwell's in your neighborhood, so you got us a lot of good coverage from all their stuff in the past, and, and anytime you hit up a show, you always send us some cool pics. And from India, I forgot about that, you sent us like this whole photo documentation of the crazy stuff when you were over in India working. Yeah, so. that was a lot of fun. I, the only regret is I, I, I wish I had a chance to ride a uh, motorcycle around there. That That's the only thing I never got a chance to do And because we were working six days a week, so day seven was always uh, laundry <laughs> and resting. Right, <laughs> right. I know. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I mean that also is kind of nuts. Uh, sounds like you've been working a lot. Um, so on this week's show, I promised on last week's show that we would recap 2020 so far, thus far. Hell, there's there's uh, about 20 days left in the month, and it could still throw. Who knows what it still has in store for us, right? It, could st- it still has, might have something up its sleeve. So I'm, I'm afraid. You know me. I always say, hey, I'd love to see this happen, or I'd love to see this or that. And then it happens, and someone dies, or, <laughs> or like, oh, I love this event. And the next thing you know, it never comes back. I'm like the worst luck. I'm like the whatever the opposite of a rabbit's foot is. <laughs> so I don't want to say it's over yet, and it's not. So... Um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll call you Larry Lucky number 13. Yeah, Lucky 13 for sure. Um, yeah, I I try not to, when I go to Vegas, I try not to bet, but I hang around my friends because I'm good luck for other people. Just not anything I say always blows up in my face. Um, so yeah, so hey, on this week's episode, I do want to talk about all that stuff. Uh, right now, I want to talk a, a little bit about, I want to ask you something because uh, if, if for all of you who don't know, um, P Money, as I call him, um, uh, aka Bry Viffer. If you ever go back to episode, like I think it was fifty-six, f- to learn the the name game, that's how you got your uh, your name. Was you uh, you cut off part of your middle name and you and name yourself after your bike. So you became Bry Viffer, our field producer, right? 
You got uh, it. So a few years ago, I, it was like 2017, I want to say, um, you got busted up. I saw you that November um, after you had fallen. Somebody went down in front of you on a Harley, and you had cracked your collarbone up. Um, and so that next year, I think it was 2018, was the uh, Motorcycle Podcasters Challenge, and you, were, you said, hey, man, like I know you have Spamala, and I didn't have uh, – I had sold my Magna, uh, I want to say in 2015, before I even started the podcast. Um, so I didn't actually have any other big bikes. All I had was my 250, and I'd been running around on that thing like crazy. Um, and the Motorcycle Podcasters Challenge is all about crazy miles and traveling to different cities. And you said, hey, I got this other VFR, right? Because you had about 12 at the time, I think. Um, so a little backstory, you offered your bike up to me and I, I think it was the summer of 18 and I've had it since I've had it for <laughs> approximately, approximately like two and a half years I think now <laughs> so oh yeah you you still got that huh yeah yeah if you're looking for it because I do this all the time I'll set something down and I'll go looking for it you know and and I know it's at my house somewhere so if you're looking for that bike and and uh, you keep walking around guess what I have it still yeah I'm, I'm pacing back and forth in my garage saying where the hell did yeah. that bike go yeah you're doing a head count and you've got like <laughs> like I said, you got 12 and it's like, where? there's one, there's two, there's, where the heck did the other one go? Oops, I'm killing us over here on the volume. There we go. I was blowing us out on the other end. Um, so yeah, anyways, the, uh, now, now everyone's going to be like, oh, now that I can't hear him. Um, so anyways, you let me borrow this bike and I was going to ask you how much you actually know about this bike because I didn't, I don't know. I know you had five at the time and I know you've pared them down and then I, this has been hiding over here for, like I said, two, two and a half years now. Um, I wanted you to a ask you some questions about, is this your, was this the latest one? Was this like a, you just saw it on Craigslist and kind of snapped it up sort of thing? Uh, I think that one was number like I, I had five at one time when I was uh, riding a lot, going back and forth to work. Um, and I think that one was number four. Um, number five was a, a 95 that I had. And that, that one was, I think, the uh, I think I sold that one. And then number three was uh, an, another 94 that um, I gave to my nephew a couple years ago. And then... Uh, yeah, and then and then that was number four, and number two was uh, the '97 that I, I still have, and then my original '94. Uh, that one actually uh, is is gone now too. I, I dropped that one off at uh, Neanderthal Cycle Salvage. Holy cow! Well, I just it yeah. gave up the ghost or what? Just finally gave up on you? Gave up 260,000 miles, and the, the motor finally went out. Gosh dang, that's awesome. I mean, that's Honda yeah. for you though. I mean, if you think of a Civic or Anytime my wife was looking at Hondas, she said, "Oh, is this good?" I mean, it's used, and I said, "Hun, that's got thirty. Whoa, that's got thirty thousand miles. That's barely used." Yeah. <laughs> I said, for, for a Honda, that's just like the break-in, right? So, man, for motorcycles to last that long, you typically don't hear of it. But I'm, that's awesome that that one has. Um, so yeah, so this one, ew, I'm getting. I'm playing with chords over here, so sorry if you hear some crackling. Thought you were tap dancing in there. No, I'm trying to get this uh, buzz because I'm I've moved the um, studio around a little bit, and so yeah, a little bit of background for me. Over the summer, I kept saying, "Hey, I'm rearranging. I'm doing this. I'm doing that." I was trying to make it kind of like COVID safe, so we could have people over. Brady Walker came over um, once during the summer, and then I did a couple phone calls, like Noble Moto. 
was one of them, and, and Miranda um, Young from Ghost Biker Explorations. But, of yep. course, I don't have to make accommodations for them, right? But I was trying to get Wiggins back in here, and I was trying to make it okay for other people to come over. And I, I have moved it around. But then uh, other COVID news with everybody coming home, um, I've moved it around. We had to move a whole bunch of stuff out of here, and my office used to be in here. And I thought, you know what? In the summertime and the wintertime, it gets the the weather fluctuations that we've been having have been so massive that I'm like burning up in the summertime. And I it shares the um, it shares the garage, the little place where my office was. Um, and right. so the garage is like partially finished, but the roof isn't. So the roof is, uh, if you point like a digital thermometer up there, it's like 187 degrees or something like that in the summertime. And so, yeah, that radiant heat was getting to me. Um, And then in the wintertime, it gets so cold in here that like I can see my breath. And so when I'm trying to type at like five in the morning and it's like still dark outside and my fingers aren't even working, I was just like, I'm getting out of here. So I've done more rearranging to make long story even longer. And now that I have the studio temporarily set up tonight so we can record, I'm getting like a massive amount of feedback from some mechanical. I'm trying to look around, or not mechanical, something electrical. I'm trying to look around and see what's around right now <laughs> that, that could be doing it. But I need to put like a Faraday cage over where I'm going to record in here. Um, so, yeah, anyway, I'm t- I, I've had your bike. Uh, I think it's no secret now. I've told you that I was going to alter it a little bit. You, you gave me the go-ahead. I didn't mean oh, I was yeah. going to like turn it into a chopper or anything like that, but it is going to be a different color when you get it back. And I kind of just wanted to surprise you and just give it back uh, and let you just see it. And you still are. I mean, I haven't sent you any pictures. I haven't done yep. any of that. So you, you, you do know that. But so I was wondering about this because I was changing the... Uh, I, I didn't check the air filter last time. Um, when I did the oil change on it, I think I've done two oil changes because over the course of the last two uh, Motorcycle Podcasters Challenge, it's not like we put 10,000 miles on this thing. So right. honestly, it was only do like one. You had just done one right when you gave it to me to use. And then uh, so I did another one because I did at least like 3,000 miles or something that summer. Um, and then I put a couple more miles on it, but it sat too. So I mean, it's just been sitting and I'm like, I'm just going to, uh, I mean, I've started it and like you know not gone any on any epic like you know thousand mile rides though like we were doing during the podcasters challenge so it really hasn't done anything but sat but i still think that the oil um once it's in the crankcase has a lifespan right so i was like i'm gonna change it um they're gonna change your air air filter so i pull it off and holy cow it's got a uni in here and i was like oh man he's got some race stuff and so when i called you today you're like i don't know what it's got in it so that's what made me wonder like i didn't know if this was the last bike you picked up and what the backstory was on it because it's also a kind of a crazy color your other one is so beautiful it's like that honda red looks like you polish it all the time um and this one's crazy it looks like somebody took a special i tell you what i know they took a special finish to it because i'll tell you how i know in a minute but yeah, this one looks crazy. And so I didn't know, what's the backstory on this thing? Uh, well, let's see. So I bought that one from a guy down in Oceanside, and he, he was selling it because he was moving over to Europe. He I remember he said he got a job. It was like a construction job, but what he did was he set up um, those uh, big shipping containers, and, and he, he set them up to make like um, little towns for oh. the for the military to use for training so yeah, like yeah. like uh, makeshift towns fake towns and uh, so that that was his 
his business or, or worked for a company that did that. I thought that was super cool. Uh, but he was he was leaving in in just a few weeks and and needed to unload a lot of his stuff. But I remember thinking I got a pretty good deal on the bike at the time because I think when I bought it, it had uh, like uh, not a lot, maybe over ten thousand, less than thirty thousand miles on it. And, and at that point, I knew VFRs, so I knew um, that you know that was nothing for for that motor. <laughs> right. So, uh, the, yeah, that and, was like number six or, or five, right? So you <laughs> already knew you had four others that were pretty good. That uh, that that is a very early age for that, you know. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And and back then, the um, this she's this was in the I don't know 2010 somewhere around there probably, and um, so. It wasn't that hard to still get parts for those bikes. Uh, I mean, plastic was kind of becoming unobtainium already, but but everything else, you know, brake pads and, and whatever use you know use parts like like you know filters and stuff like that. You you can get them pretty easy. Um, so and and I I'm sure I paid um, you know less than three grand for it. So you know maybe a little over two grand. I, I know I got a good deal, and, and it was the pipe though back um, back then. You know, I was I was still going for a, a really good sounding motorcycle, and and I don't know what kind of pipe that is. It's some kind of carbon fiber or something, and because the uh, the nameplate um, is gone, but it was yeah. loud enough. And and I remember taking it for a test spin, and and it set off car alarms as I was going by. So I said, okay, I'm, I'm buying it. <laughs> this is for me. <laughs> yeah, I gotta say, it does sound bitching. Um, the first time you let me, like the first time I started it up here. Uh, ever that you know, like that first week you dropped it off here. Um, actually, that's when Liza and Jim were in town too. Like just to reminisce a little bit, the Misfits were down for one of their like right. SoCal trips, and we we all met up at Lucky Wheels, which is no longer. Uh, I mean, it's still there, but it's not really like a motorcycle hangout anymore. But yeah, yeah. that was uh, that was way back then. And um, so yeah, you I fired it up, and like the next day, my neighbor was like, "Hey, yeah, we were talking about his little KLX 250." That he used to have, not KLX. It was a KX250. It was some something from like the 70s that he had totally restored, and his wife accidentally sold it because he said, "Oh yeah, get rid of my motorbike." He had a Honda or Yamaha that was in there that he was trying to get rid of, and she told the person that came to pick it up, "Oh yeah, you can like, I guess you could take this one too for a couple hundred bucks." And it was his restored Ooh. 250, right? She didn't know, but it was like a vintage KX. Um, 250 or 175 and I'm not even sure they were going by KX at the time you know back in the 70s but he said it was like one of the one of the very first 70s like Kawasaki um, dual sports from like the late 70s I want to say like uh, KDX maybe maybe it was a KDX yeah and yeah. um and so yeah so we were talking about that and he's like yeah like what and he asked about the big bike and I was like oh usually I said oh that's my friend's VFR <laughs> and and uh yeah so he heard that he just heard it one day start up in the driveway and yeah so that thing the good thing about Spamla is that I could take it take you know it's a 250 with stock muffler I could take that thing around neighborhoods at nighttime and get um quiet neighborhoods even and get yep. for the motorcycle podcasters challenge the objective is usually get the name of a city or a street or something like that and i can tell you what on the vfr even during the daytime it was <laughs> i was risking getting a shoe thrown at me or something but yeah i don't know what that is i've i was you know looking at it trying to figure out is it a kirker is it like i don't know who made carbon fiber exhaust for motorbikes back then but it is uh beefy sounding and i just fired it up today and it was yeah i was just like oh yeah i miss i remember that sound um 
So yeah, it, it, it's got an interesting color on it too. It was like orange and uh, kind yeah. of crackly well, orange. Well, uh, well, I think that was probably. I don't know about the orange, but but I remember the guy telling me. I, I was asking him about the paint. He said the the gray is. He he just said his his favorite color was orange, so he wanted to do something with orange. But the the gray on it, I, I don't know if this is what you were guessing, but it was. Um, it's outdoor furniture texture spray paint mm-hmm. that, um, that he said he got from Walmart to spray paint his uh, his patio furniture. Right. And he said, oh, that's kind of a cool color. I think I'll just throw that on the bike. Yeah. I have to admit, it, it was almost more cool than the orange. The orange wasn't like a bright orange. It was kind of like yeah. an Iron Man, like muted or- orange. Well, like a darker, <laughs> weird orange, right? It wasn't like a bright orange, like KTM orange. It was like a... Yeah. Yeah. It was like, like a rust orange. It was. It was like a rusty, like Iron Man. You pick up an Iron Man from the 80s or something, comic book, and you're like, hey, that doesn't look like any of the Iron Mans. Um, so I think that gray sparkly color was actually cooler. But the thing was, I know it's one of those two-stage paints. And if you think about all those patio paints and outdoor furniture paints, the gimmick to them is that there's a two-stage where you lay down this, like, base coat, and then you spray the other layer over the top of it, and it crackles it. It gives it, like, a a, um, fake patina where it's supposed to look like it's been outside for a few years and got, like, some cracks and stuff in it, but it really doesn't. I mean, that's just part of the treatment. And he had to have sprayed the whole thing to get that crackle effect on it. So unfortunately, he unfortunately he also sprayed the windscreen on it. So your windscreen is now orange, yeah. right? It's got that or- <laughs> and it's kind of a sparkly orange too. So uh, yeah, I'm looking at the I'm looking at it right now and the orange is a little bit sparkly. Um, yep. so yeah, it was, it was kind of weird looking at it when I was painting it. Uh, I was like sanding it and going, man, there's like another layer here of stuff to go through that I got to I may want to make sure I scuff it because I want to make sure it sticks and I don't want to yep, spray yep. it on here and have my paint crackle, <laughs> like, like have whatever chemical reaction that makes it crackle again. But I do have to say I threw on some, um, some gel coat. I was ripping some, I, I did a couple different windshields. Um, when I was, when I was riding it, I noted, I rode it to aim actually the, in 2018. And, um, I think you and you and your wife were over there like the day after I was, Yep. And I wrote it over to AIM because I thought, you know, I need to open this thing up and, and just rip it instead of just riding it around the streets here. Um, so I took it over to AIM. I don't know if I told you. I, I didn't ask your permission first. <laughs> I well, just you took didn't it. need my permission. Yeah, but I, I didn't know you rode that bike all the way out there. Yeah. That was cool, man. I'm, I'm glad. Yeah, yeah. So the one thing I did notice is that you have to be tucked just right for the air to go over your head. And there's yep. like, if, you, if I put my hand on the top of the windshield, it kicked the air up just high enough to go over the top of my head and not create like a buffeting on my helmet. But if I didn't have my hand there, my head would buffet a little bit. So lo and behold, I look at a bunch of VFR aftermarket windshields online and guess what? They have this little kick up right there. And I was like, oh my God, yep. somebody already did it. Somebody already did the thing where they put a piece of uh, cardboard or something and made a new... Uh, template off it and then just made copies off of it. So what well, I did is I chopped. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. No, I was going to say, I, I had that I, that same idea, only I went the other way. So yeah, you tell me what you were going to say. Well, uh, zero gravity. So some of my bikes um, have a zero gravity uh, windshield on them and uh, they make two styles for the VFR 
One's called like a sport tour style, and it um, it's got like a, a lip at the top where it kind of kicks it straight up. And then there's the the double bubble, which, which I don't know, I guess kind of looks a little bit sportier, but does the same thing where it just kind of bows up the top a little bit more, so it, it it makes the air pocket just a little bit bigger. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that must be what they are. Yeah. And and, and it is exactly what I was going to think of doing. And and I just got rid of that buzz for anybody who has been listening for the last 20 minutes. I just figured it out. Um, Perfect. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, That I, I saw that there was those online, and, and, and there was even one with, like, a vent cut in it or something. Like, people were doing all sorts of stuff to just get more airflow and get rid of the buffeting. So I went the other way, and I, I went down. I made my a couple custom little windscreens that should uh, try to make them the same thickness as the stock one. So they should bolt right into place if you ever wanted to slide this one out and slide them in. And um, yeah, they are, they're lower. And so the wind comes across and hits you, but it hits your helmet and uses your helmet as like, instead of kicking it up onto your helmet to where it flaps around, it just kicks it up right to get it off of your chest. And then your helmet um, aerodynamics hold your head in place for the rest of it instead of having that dirty air buffet. So yeah. Yeah, you just don't, you don't want to be in that, that, that zone where your yeah. head's just buffeting all over oh, the place. Yeah, it, you know, you look like you're shaking your head no the whole time to Vegas, <laughs> you know. So I was tucked for a lot of it, and eventually that gets cramped, and you want to sit up, and then your head is whipping around. So yeah, like up or up, up or down, and so it sounds like some people kick it up. I kicked it down. Um, cool. Also, what I noticed because I was using the gel coat to um, lay down the inside of those things. And so when I put the gel coat on there, I noticed that to get that crackle paint effect on the windscreen, he must have painted, he must have sprayed the whole windscreen and then taped it and sprayed the orange in the center. Cause there's a, there's a perfect line where the orange is and he left the sides clear, but that, but that spray stuff he left, I think he sprayed the whole windscreen and then taped it and then sprayed where he wanted it to crackle because down around the bolt holes where the base coat kicked, it had a chemical reaction with whatever was finished was on there. And yeah, it left little crackle marks. And I was like, yeah, there's he crackles. He sprayed that crackle stuff everywhere and then just taped off and spray painted the center orange. So your whole windscreen, I'm assuming, has that crackle stuff even on the clear part. If you were to put like something that reacts with it, it's gonna like make a little crackle effect. So I was like, this, oh, weird. Yeah, so it's nuts, right? So uh, long story short, yeah, he um, he spray-painted your windshield. I'm not going to paint your windshield, so uh, repaint the windshield over and anything like that. So so that's, you know, my guarantee. I promise not to I promise not to <laughs> sp- spray more stuff on it. The purpose is to see through it, and then you can't see through it now. So, nope. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's been fun having it, and it's a kick-ass bike, actually. There was a couple times, um, I mean, even on my new SCR, uh, which I haven't ridden that that much either this year. Um, not as I haven't ridden anything as much as I would have liked to this year, but uh, even on that thing, the low end torque is is amazing. So what I have to say about the VFR, because my this is a little bit different than my Magna. My Magna, same V4 engine, but totally different monster. And the Magna had um, was 1100, so it felt bigger, it reacted bigger. Um, in which I don't mean better it reacted like it felt slower you know what I'm saying it reacted like a little felt like a little bit sluggish and it didn't have the same crack as this thing does because since this thing is so light as well 
and the wheelbase is so much shorter. There's been a couple brown uh, seat moments where, like, you know, you roll on the <laughs> throttle and bam, it starts to go. And you're, yeah. you look down at the speedometer and you're doing 90 before you real, you know, one, two seconds max. And you're, you just went from like 40 to 90, you know, and all of a sudden traffic's up ahead still doing 50 or something. And it's like, whoa, this thing, it, it's incredibly fast and it's got a ton of low end torque. Um, which is kind of the V part, I guess. And then the four cylinder gives it that amazing like top end. So, um, uh, yeah, that's why I love the V fours. I mean, it's a good blend of, of both, you know? Yeah, for sure. It's got that, it does have a good grunt. And I mean, I was running it around at like four or 5,000 cause I was, you know, I used to ride in thumpers. Um, and even my, uh, you know, what's the only, I've had V twins and those don't run like a, um, you know, like a four, um, those still use like better down low torque. So I was running it around in like 5,000 max and it was pretty good. You know, it's still, it's still running pretty good. It didn't do that yep. lugging. It's and right chugging. in the sweet zone. Yeah. Right. And then you told me, yeah, it likes to run around like 10,000 too. So yeah, one day I did that and I was like, wow, it does like this as well. <laughs> so yeah, it was, it's just a really great bike. Um, it was really fun to have for the podcasters challenge. Um, I still do want to do a couple things. If I, it's hard for me to right now to find time, so I want to do things. I'll get them started. I'll set everything up, and then I'll have to let it sit for like a week before I can actually do the thing that I'm trying to do. So, and then it turns. Sometimes it'll turn out like total crap, and I'll just like scrap the whole project. So instead of having like a whole <laughs> week to, you know, if I was a custom fabricator, that would be my job eight hours a day is to sit around and mess around and see what's going to work. By the next morning, I would know if things were set up and working right, and so for me it's like three weeks later i find out that ah this isn't gonna work or you know this is does the mold didn't come out exactly like i thought it would or whatever it is you know so i've been like it's been a long process um so yeah i hope to give it back to you soon um i hope you're not i mean i hope you're not missing it if you need it let me know i'll absolutely uh bring it back to you but well you know, no i mean i i don't need it that's for sure i mean i'm i'm, I'm, I'm I'm more anxious to get it back knowing that, you know, what you, what you're doing to it. I'm, I can't wait to see it, you know, I mean, yeah. it, that's going to be the the fun part. I mean, all along, especially after the, the podcaster's challenge, I, I, I just didn't want it to be in your way either, you know? I mean, oh, I, right. It, yeah. You know? Yeah. You know what? It, it's definitely not in the way. And, and it's kind of nice because the whole reason, um, I have, uh, another K, uh, a KZ 550 that I gave the frame to Wiggins because his friend, uh, when he, back when he worked at Vance and Hines, there was a kid there that was going to do a, like a, um, a electric bike project and he needed a chassis. And I said, man, I got the chassis. It still has the, like the drive shaft. Cause I know he was, a he might need to modify this, you know, so he can do whatever he wants with it, but it's still got the drive shaft. If he finds an electric motor that, you know, he doesn't have to convert it to, spinning you know rotational to longitudinal he can just throw something on the drive shaft if he if he wants you know this is great so i was able to get rid of one that sat around forever with me thinking i might have the time to rebuild this so ironically having one sit around that runs <laughs> you know instead of one that do- you think when one doesn't run it's motivation to get on it get get it working and get it uh running right but yeah. like you said i i've been having a hell of a time finding plastics for this thing and i have all the part numbers and i have all the hookups for that uh mm-hmm. it just turns out that um yeah they are pretty much unobtainium and especially now i think people this this year is going to be one of those years that makes people uh step back 
and stop making things that were excessive right now. And stuff right. that's coming out this year and, and you know, for the next couple of years, they may say, hey, listen, we're going to, uh, we'll make stuff for this now. But yeah, we're not going to go backwards and make all that weird, crazy stuff that we were making available um, a couple of years ago. Because I used to be able to find parts for my um, SR250, and that thing is a 1980, right? Um, and now it, and, and th- there used to be aftermarket kits from Wiseco for pistons. I could go to a lot of different places to get, um, uh, brake components and stuff like that. And now it's getting even hard to find brake components. The only reason I can find handlebars is because almost every handlebar is a seven eights, you know what I'm saying? So it's getting harder and harder and harder to find stuff for that. And for the KZ 550, unless I go, um, I, I might not be looking in the right spot because there's like a whole special KZ forum online that I haven't joined yet. But uh, even that is getting harder and harder and harder to uh, to find stuff for. So yeah, this thing for sure. I've looked for some plastics because I didn't. I I I have your set here, and this is your original set. So I have to make sure I don't do anything to them. Um, <laughs> so I can give them back to you. But at the same time, I was like, man, it'd be nice to chop this here to be able to just to cast this part of it, you know, and do this here. But there's no, you can't find them anywhere. Like you can't find them anywhere. I I, I heard a a long time ago, I I don't know if this is true, but I heard that when, um, when Satoru Honda, you know, the, the original founder guy, whatever it was, as long as he was alive and in charge of the company, supposedly he insisted that, um, there were always parts available for every model year that mm-hmm. um, that was still out there. Um, but then I guess when he died, um, the you know the next generation that took over didn't necessarily believe in that, so they kind of were winding down the the support for the older models. So that's part of it. And I, I don't know if other companies you know followed suit or you know or, or if they did similar things or they do similar things, but that's just what I heard with Honda. Yeah, and amazingly. Um... Dave from Cerberus Moto um, had some hookups to Honda, and he was because he he loves gold wings, he loves old Hondas, and um, even he was telling me that fasteners and stuff like that you just can't get them anymore, right? Yeah. Luckily for yours, one of the bolts uh, that holds on the side cowl, like the little fairing, you know, on the rear body. I came yep. out one day and it's missing, and I was like, "Well, that's weird. It must have rattled out on the highway or something, right?" Um, and I mean, a body bolt isn't something I always check for torque. So <laughs> it was totally <laughs> unexpected and I was able to order a new one of those. Um, but like you say, maybe they use them on the new CBRs. Maybe they use them on some of the new, you know, CBXs. I have no, or, uh, the CB, um, 500 X or some of that stuff. And the NC 750, maybe they, yep. maybe it's still a common bolt, but some of the other stuff you can't find. And some of the, of course the V4 stuff you can't find even the, the newer V4s, um, like the, the VFR 1200, I mean, half that stuff's not going to fit anyway because it's 1200. Right. So any any V4 750 stuff, yeah, you're going to – it's getting harder and harder. They still have everything in the parts catalogs if you look. Um, right next to it in the parts – or right next to the description, I'll say not available. And you're like, well, you should just probably not show people these um, catalogs anymore, <laughs> right? It's a false, false hope. <laughs> so yeah. and, and I know there's some – they but they um, there are some cross – availability uh, for uh, other models but they don't indicate what the cross reference is you know so you um i because i i know like even when i was putting um when i had that xr250 and i was putting that back together there were a lot of cr 
um, 250 and CR 125 parts that bolted right onto that thing when I, I got desperate. Um, and, and it just worked. So, but looking through the manuals or looking through the microfiche online, you'd, you'd never see any numbers matching up. Yeah. 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 And they all, they all on the, uh, I can tell you from, uh, an insider perspective, they all, um, usually point somewhere or supersede to something on the back end, but inevitably you're going to find that part that just does, they don't make anymore or they, or they say, Hey, you're going to have to go to a, uh, like my 200 my, or my 250, they, um, some of the parts supersede to like one of the, uh, 300 cc quads or three wheelers from the nineties, you know what I'm saying? So, or, or like early two thousands. So yeah, if I wanted to go up to 300 cc, it looks like I could throw a new top end from the cylinder up and it'll, uh, you know, I might have to machine the bottom end for the um, piston to fit, or or either that or it's stroked. It's maybe it's because of the stroke that makes it a three hundred. So yeah, I could do it that way, but and that's the only way I can get new parts and still use half of the crap I got. But yeah, other than that, you're right. It's uh, you have to know you have to know where where to look and what numbers are changing to what. Um, so yeah, it's been fun um, having this thing around. So I'm definitely gonna miss it when I give it back to you, but. Uh, but it'll just make room for the new, you know, 2021's a new year, baby. Who knows Who knows what I'm going to have on my plate. Um, uh, I'm glad you were able to give it a, a good home. And uh, But now that you have a nice new bike uh, that's, uh, that's you know, big and reliable and, and you know, and it'll get you wherever you're going. So it's, it's, I'm yeah. glad I was able to kind of bridge the gap. Yeah, yeah, I know. And, and it's not as fun, I can tell you that much. It, it, right around 90 miles an hour, it's like done. <laughs> and the VFR, I feel right at 90, it was like, hey, we're hit, we're in this like nice power band right here. Are you really ready to go? And at 90, it was ready to breathe. It was breathing at sec. It was breathing the V twin life up until then. And then once it hits 90, it's like, okay, now I'm the four cylinder. Like, let's go. You know. So yeah, yeah, I feel like yeah, that, that thing had two two mindsets. Yeah, between like like six and eight thousand RPM was just the sweet spot on on that bike, and it just and that was the nice thing because you're you're on the highway at that speed at that rev range, and so you're cruising along, you just feel like you're you're just right in the meat of yeah. the, the power band. It's like per- right, I mean, it was perfect. Yeah, pretty much perfect. Um, so hey, t- speaking of speaking of uh, other motorbikes and stuff like that, um, I noticed that uh, I don't know how this year was for you as far as uh, having time to ride. It sounds like you're still busy as all get out. Um, I got even busier this year than I was last year, um, partial, and, and it's because of COVID. Um, I, we were gonna have a big project coming up at my work anyway, um, and so it was expected that things were gonna start rolling, yeah, just before summer. But what happened was COVID hit in March, right? And in April, we were going to lay some people off, I guess. And um, rather than lay them off, they gave them to me and said, hey, here's a new team. And so I've been doing nothing since uh, like late March, I guess early April, except for uh, getting people on board to do what I do. And uh, it was so successful. We got more people coming on board and I think more and more. And and I don't know, my... I I heard that I may be um, having to look for a replacement, so I don't know what that means. What I'm going to be doing, but I'm sc- <laughs> I love what I do now. I don't want to. I don't want to. It's one of those things where like you kind of don't want to get promoted. You know, I don't want to get uh, moved out of what I'm doing, but it, I don't know exactly what's going to happen. So, needless to say, I've been going to more meetings. I've been doing more. You know, what I'm saying like 
I'm not just sitting in the queue banging away, uh, you know, part manuals anymore. Um, no. It's just, it's been, it's been a crazy year. And thus, I have not had a hell of a lot of time to ride. The time, and, and then everybody's at home uh, this summer, we couldn't do jack squat, right? Like there was, it wasn't like a hard lockdown like they had in Italy, but it was still a lockdown. And yep. uh, so I w- I'm not sure. I canceled Solstice Slam this year, and most of the motorcycle stuff got canceled. So I was wondering, I know you, sometimes you and your fam go out for some moto trips now and then, um, and that was one of the only ways to like isolate yourself and actually be responsibly recreate was a good way to, to follow the COVID guidelines and still get out and do something. So did you get a chance, or did you get busier as well and like not have time you know what i'm saying well was your 2020 a mixed bag it 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 was i mean so i i work in the pharma industry so so the company i'm working for has been as busy as ever um and so i'm i'm fortunate and i'm, I'm grateful every day that i'm still working because you know a lot of people it's are not as fortunate so i I'm, I'm happy that i'm working so there's no complaints there but but um as soon as the shutdown kind of hit back in last march they they asked everyone to, if you could work from home, then, and that's what I've been doing. I, I tell you at the beginning, I thought, oh, I'm going to have way more riding time now that I'm not going into the <laughs> office every day. Right. But, but man, busier than ever. And, and I just have not had a chance to ride. And, and so now that I don't even ride back and forth to work, it's like I, I have to chisel out some time on the weekends just to ride the bikes around town and just, you know, get them fired up and, and kick the dust off. But um, yeah. but not you know, not nearly as much. Like I think uh, the uh, the dual sport sat from uh, July until November, uh, and um, when my son came home from school, we we took that bike out. Uh, well, I took my street bike, and he took that bike out, and we rode that around. That was the first time that one had started up in forever. Mm-hmm. Um, was the battery dead and, on it? No, you know I the. Um, I've been having pretty good luck so that I've only got the two, uh, well, I've got the dual sport and I've got the, the VFR and, and the VMAX and the, the VFR and the dual sport have uh, lithium batteries and, and mm. those have been great. And the VMAX still has like an old school lead acid battery. And I, I used to keep those on battery tenders all the time, but I, for whatever reason, I decided not to do that with the VMAX and just starting it up once a week and, and it's still kicks right over you know like one or two cranks and, and it fires up so i um, i haven't had any battery problems so far knock on wood yeah yeah i know my car died um my i think i'm not sure spamla is still starting but it's like yeah everything sitting around uh my car was already on the way out i, I even before covid i could tell it was dying but everything else like pretty much died spamla i drained all the gas out because that tank has been creamed a long time ago and I'm not mm-hmm. worried about it sitting in there with like moisture rust yep. in it with being empty and not doing the whole Midwest treatment thing on it. The VFR today I had to drain the carbs because it wasn't starting and I haven't started it for like a couple months. And really like, wouldn't it wouldn't catch? No. And I and huh. I thought, huh, and I could smell, you know, the exhaust the it was trying to fire and, and I could smell it smells like that corn. You know what I'm saying? When bad gas yeah. just smells weird. So I was like, yeah. oh. So I drained the carbs real quick. And uh yeah, I could smell the gas coming out of the bowls had sat and it's been the weather has changed here. And so I'm guessing it's, it's inside. I mean I've I, all my bikes are gr- inside the garage. <laughs> 
But I think what's happened was just the went from extreme heat to extreme cold really suddenly around here. And I'm just guessing that all the gases, um, like if I have, I have gas in my little can over here and I'm sure I'm going to have to trash it. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, I, you know, I think, I think, uh, fuel is, has changed itself too. I, I mean, I, I don't follow along, but I don't know if they're, if they've been changing production or adding different additives, but, um, cause I remember a long time ago, um, when something, I, um, I can't remember what happened to, to that VFR, but, um, before I gave it to you, something happened where I, it, it was sitting in the backyard for a while and, and I just had it like a cover thrown over it. Um, and um, I went back to start it one day after months and, and the battery is dead and I so I um, got a new battery threw it in and, and it started right up and and it still it, it chewed through the gas that was in there I didn't even you know hmm. drain the tank or put put new stuff in and 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 just like um, uh, when I um, so a couple years uh, about a year and a half ago a good friend of mine died and and he had, um, four motorcycles in his garage and, and he hadn't started up any of them in, in years and uh, one of them was a, a Honda VFR 800 mm. and mm-hmm. um, the three other bikes um, uh, uh, one was a Buell and, it, and the tank is is sealed just you know like you had um, with Spamala but you know I mean from the factory they, they have the coating in there so so that one was fine but then he had a a Yamaha Roadstar and a Ural and both of those tanks were totally rusted out so they had to be you know drained and, and tanks had to be clean but but the VFR same thing it, I, I put a new battery in that started right up and it chewed through that through the even <laughs> chewed through the gas that had been in there for I don't know how many years I mean and, yeah and it, even the Buell the the fuel injectors were were com- just toast they, you know the whatever fuel was in there just ate through everything and the, and the fuel injectors had to be replaced but the VFR fired nothing. right up. I mean, yeah, fired right <laughs> up. I, I started driving it right away. Yeah, it was trying. I mean, it, not that it wasn't trying. It was cranking and and it was it was going. But I could smell that it was trying to burn something that wasn't burning, and yep. it was it was that stinky old corny kind of gas smell. Um, yeah, and so it's the fuel. I think. Yeah, it is. I drained the carb the bowls and then closed them. And when the new when the new fuel filled them up, that was in there because the ten, the fuel that's in there is relatively new. I made sure. Uh, well, when I painted the tank, I drained it, and so yep. I put new fuel in there. But whatever residual fuel had been sitting in there, um, even since the last time I started it, I guess um, it just had that like weird kind of corny rancid smell, and I could and yep. I could smell it that it was trying to cut, kick it because it was coming out in the exhaust, right? And so I was like, oh, yeah. So as soon as I drained the bowls and some fresh stuff got in there, it kicked right on. So I thought, oh, oh and I, I need to let it run a little bit. You know, I was like letting it uh, idle for a while to cycle that through because I was like, I don't want uh, I don't want it to get a little bit of fresh gas and then just turn it off and sit again. So, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, so it's been um, a hell of a year. Not even even my bike, the only I went with Wiggins for a ride up to Baldy um, a couple months ago. His friend just got his good friend from Indiana, I guess, moved out here, um, and they reconnected. Uh, went to high school with them and everything, and they reconnected recently. Pardon me. And um, they he he lives just a ta- he lives in Azusa, so he lives like just oh, a cool. ta- yeah town over, like twenty minutes from here. Um, 
And so we went over to his place and went to a, for a ride um, with the guy's uh, co-worker who is uh, um, kind of new. I don't know how long... Uh, I don't know how long he's been riding, but I think he had like a street triple. Yeah, I think I'm pretty sure he had like a street triple or something oh, like nice that. Oh, nice bike. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, it was really sweet, you know. And But he was literally like only his third time he still only has his permit so i was like oh why don't we go on the freeway and, and he's like oh i can't yet and he's following <laughs> the rules and i was like oh you, i mean you could no, but i see it um so that's the last time i went on like a ride ride we went up to mount baldy um did like a you know properly socially distanced ride ate, ate a breakfast up there at some some place that was uh had outdoor dining back when that was you know available um, yep. and so that's the longest ride I've done all summer. The only other things I've done is ride around. Um, I've gone to, t- to town, uh, to get, uh, takeout. And luckily I have this huge bag that like all the people see me walk up with a flat backpack on my motorcycle, uh, gear. And they're like, dude, you ordered takeout, you know, it's this big old <laughs> bag of stuff. And then I, whoosh, that backpack is huge when you unroll it and they're like, Oh, <laughs> and it slides in with like, I could go to three restaurants and fit, you know, like there's a lot of room. So it's just kind that's of funny. That's how we do on bikes. Yeah. You gotta, right. And so, um, so yeah, that's about all the riding I've been doing is just going to pick up food. Um, I did the, for spooky spokes, I rode around and did like a bunch of rides to get, um, uh, uh, little swag for the for the winners which by the way uh speaking of spooky spokes the um patreon winner has still yet to be announced right because nobody entered a spooky spoke this year and surprise surprise yeah it's because hardly anybody could get out to ride right yeah (laughs) so i think chris singsheim was going to and then he sliced his hand on a uh friggin bumper um the night before when he was going to go home and ride it was um, the night before uh, Halloween, so he it was that night. He was like, yeah, I got out of work. I was going to go home and ride. I forgot something, and I turned around and opened the shop and tripped over some hose and put my hand out in the dark and sliced it on a um, truck bumper. He welds, like, oh. trucks. You know, he welds yeah. uh, big old trucks. So those things are sharp. You know, I used to work in a shop, and I've seen people yep. almost lose digits all the time on sheet metal. So, yeah, so none of the Patreon supporters did, and most of them were telling me, hey, I can't, my town is on lockdown, like literal lockdown where I get in trouble if I go out after dark or don't do. So it was a tough year for that. Um, The only person that submitted was from uh, San Diego. Uh, And so they got their stuff already, but for the patrons, what I'm going to do is a little, a little, uh, I'm going to try and make it fun, but I'm going to do a, like a um, slot car race and I've made everybody little icons and I'm just going <laughs> to race them all down the track and whoever wins the, whoever's uh, car wins the race um, will be the winner. That's how I'm going to pick. It. I would have just picked it out of a hat before or that one year I threw knives at targets, right? Whoever got the closest <laughs> yeah. one. So I was like, how can we make it fun? Um, so yeah, I have to set that up. Um, so that's what I think I'm going to do for, uh, the Patreon winner this year. And then I figured, you know, it's, I've been so damn busy. I have, uh, have barely had time to do it, but I just, I want the Patreon, uh, people to know that I didn't, I didn't forget about your spooky spoke, even though it's going to be like Christmas spoke by the time you get it. (laughs) Right. So, um, so yeah, it's been a hell of a year. I mean, it has been a, it's been a crazy year. Um, as far as like 
like you said, you kind of you had to find a reason to ride where you were commuting yeah, yeah. to the airport and stuff all the time. Yeah, yeah, the, uh, yeah. The last couple of years, that that was the most. Uh, uh, before I started working back in Irvine again, but yeah, back and forth to the airport. But yeah, even and uh, I was going to mention even our our yearly trip out to Utah, we um, we canceled it this year for Thanksgiving because um, you know just too many people worried about getting sick, and you know yeah. we we've got all our kids are. Uh, you know, and well, my, my son is, uh, is the youngest in the family and he's in high school. And so he's still bombing around with his friends and, and the kids coming back from college and, and who knows who they're hanging around with. And, and, um, with, you know, with the older people in the family, nobody really wants to risk getting sick. So we're just trying to stay hunkered down. So, you know, for the first time in, uh, almost 10 years, I haven't gone out to Utah for Thanksgiving. So that was kind of a bummer. That was our big off-road trip. We'd bring all the dirt bikes out there and, and the whole family would ride and, you know, quads and dirt bikes and side-by-sides and just have a blast. But yeah, we couldn't even do that. It was, it was a real bummer. Yeah. I know my, uh, I was a little bit freaked out this summer cause my dad, he was in, um, hospice since like november december oh no yeah and i went to i went to help out with him um in july like for fourth uh fourth of july i was back in in arkansas now in arkansas where i'm from the there's not really a town like where i was born i was born in the closest city and that place has a population of like five thousand people and that's a big city right that's a big city (laughs) so most of the times you're driving through and it's like population 100 population 200 like a big town will have 400 people um, and they're a few miles apart. You'll just see woods and then a sign that says, you know, I don't know, deer's butthole population 72 is <laughs> there. They're crazy names back there, but it, it, it's uh, you know, the, the, they're, the towns are between like 150 to, like I said, 400 is a big like settlement. And then the big city quote city, like when you run to town is 5,000 people. So, I mean, even there, there was some people, there was a few cases. Um, and of course I think that's the area being hit hardest as we've seen, uh, on the news, which is just like depressed. I quit, I quit watching the news like months ago because <laughs> it was just like, dude, for real. Um, but Don't the wave, right, right. It's just like a zombie infection. Of course, wherever it hits is going to be like, Oh my God, the shock and awe at first, but then it's going to move in. Right. And my fear is yeah. that it's going to hit the middle, like a ripple and start shooting back out. And so, um, that's why, yeah, my wife, um, had gone back to teaching at school because there was no kids there. And now, um, the kids may be coming back and somebody at their school tested positive. Um, and I know some of, some of the, um, like you said, you know, some of the kids, the kids just don't, um, you know, when you're asymptomatic and you're immune to the world at that age, um, so I know some of the teachers have kids that are in college and they've come home, um, positive, you know? And so yeah. it, my wife's like, forget about it. I'm coming back home. <laughs> and so we're all working from home, but we were able to get out and at least go camping and oh, be, away, be and, away. Oh, you have that. And you have that camper now. Yeah. Right? We just got, I was like, honey, we're buying a camper in the midst of a pandemic where everybody's the only thing you can like quote responsibly do is camp right you know this right like we're buying this is a seller's market you know this right so yeah we bought this really old uh shitty little travel trailer that just pops up it's like a tent on wheels more or less but you know what it turned out to be for a value um 
it's been awesome actually. And, and, and it's super lightweight and it's little. And if it, you know, flew off a cliff, we're out a couple thousand bucks, a few thousand bucks, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like it's not, we didn't spend, you know, $10,000 on it or anything like that. So it was literally, uh, like four grand. Um, and it's older. So I was like, you know, I'm surprised everything still works, but the guy took really good care of it and everything works. So I was like, wow, we got it. Oh, we actually got a deal, you know, that's great. Yeah. And so I was looking at other motorbikes online and they were like that much, you know, and I'm like, oh dude, a motor one, a one person motorbike or this travel trailer for the whole family, <laughs> the whole family can enjoy it. And we've taken it out a few times now. So yeah, that's been our big thing, but we, we, it was literally, it's us. Um, no, my dad's the only family I've seen. Um, and it was good cause I haven't seen him in a couple of years. Um, but it was weird to go back there during the height of this whole thing, you know, and this is back in July when the numbers were steadily going up when they thought they were going to be going down and it's only got worse yep. since. Right. So now, uh, it is, it's even freakier now that like, you know, I'm not, it, it's weird that, uh, I didn't think it was going to have this much of a, a damper on uh, my riding. Uh, I thought that'd be the one thing I would be able to do more. But just like you, it means I'm at home more and I've got more work to do now at work, which means I, I can work more. Yep. <laughs> and yep. then having the kids at home now too, it means more. Uh, we, we, it's, it's crummy to say school is like a good getaway, you know, or a reprieve for parents. Um because now it's like when they're not at school, they're with us. And so it's like yeah, we're totally yeah, engaged no, all the time. Yeah. There's no downtime. Yeah, there's no breathing room. There's no, no breathing there's room. none. And so it's so weird to think that I, I thought the same thing. I'm going to have so much more riding time. I don't have to go get the kids. I can go riding right after work if I want. But what happened is um, my wife's still in school. I'm still training people till late. The kids need some, they get off a little early and they need help with their homework. And it's like, man, and then before I know it, it's bedtime, you know? So I was like, geez, Louise, this summer sucked. <laughs> Where did all my riding time go? So yeah, it's been really interesting. Um, so uh, getting off the topic of, of crummy summers, um, I mean, we, I didn't have the crummiest. I mean, I really can't complain. I still have a job and I still did get to go riding a bit. Um, right now... Uh, if you're listening to this, the uh, this is probably the last day that you're going to hear by the time this comes out. But the South Jersey Motorcycle Film Festival is happening right now. You and me have tickets to it. You've got to watch a couple little films here and there, and I did. I got to watch a couple yesterday. Um, what do you think about it so far? Oh, it really, really good. Uh, and so, first off, thanks for fronting me the ticket. That hey, was that yeah. was super swell. Yeah, free um, ticket. What can I say? It would. I didn't have to go out on uh, arm and leg for that one. <laughs> but still, man, no, it, 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 it so it felt it, good to give. It, Let's just put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. But it, I mean, it started off with that. Uh, the first one was uh, uh, the Rolly uh, Rolly Free. Yeah, yeah. Um, and 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 that was just so well done. Uh, I mean, it, it, so that was a great intro to it. I mean, and, and I mean, and it's funny, um, the, what, what really got me going on, but like, I've been riding dirt bikes since, since I was a kid, but, um, but I remember reading, um, fear and loathing in Las Vegas and, and Hunter Thompson's, you know, talking all about, um, the Vincent black shadow and, yeah, um, yeah. and, you know, and riding the, uh, the mint 400 or whatever out in Vegas. And so, 
um, so I was always, always big into, uh, into Vincent's and the, the lore of it. Um, and I mean, I'd seen the picture of, of Roly, uh, Roly free and, um, uh, but never really read about him or anything. So, I mean, that, that was a, a great piece to start off with. I, I thought that yeah. was really well done. Right. And so when you log in and you can still do it now, and, and if you, uh, you're, if you're thinking, oh, why are you telling me about the d- the day it's gonna it's gonna be over tomorrow? But maybe by, maybe by the time you hear this, it's over. The great news is you can get a festival pass that will give you ten extra days or something like that, or it will give you till the thirteenth, I believe. And you can watch them at your leisure because there are a couple that are a little bit longer and some that yeah. aren't. But if but if you start, it's a curated list basically, so they all should start with the Rolly Free story. And same as you, I saw the picture growing up of Raleigh Free and never knew um, exactly, you know, it was just a guy in a bathing suit going, it looked like he was <laughs> going fast already, right? Because he's just yeah. laid, laid on the bike. And it was just like a funny, it, it's almost like Raleigh, or I think his name is Raleigh, right? Because it's short for Roland, or maybe it's Roly, Roly, because it's short well, they, for Roland. Yeah, they, they, they keep calling him Roly. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. Yeah, because I think his name was I used to call him Raleigh Free, but I think his <laughs> name too. was Roland. And so it was probably yep. it probably was Roly. <laughs> so <laughs> um so yeah, he it was almost like him and then those two fat brothers on the tiny like monkey bikes <laughs> is probably the two motorcycle memes before memes were a thing that you would always yeah. see like in a in a shop somewhere. You'd see him laying down on his bike and then a poster of those two fat like the world's fattest brothers yeah. or something on the two smallest <laughs> motorbikes in the world. <laughs> and so I didn't know much about it either, but that was a great story. Um, and a lot of people, this harks back to like 20, I want to say 16 or 17 when Indian, when victory went out of business I think that must've been 17. And they said, Indian, um, Indian's going to go flat track racing. So th- th- it was, it was like 16 or 17. Uh, this movie got made called Harley and the Davidsons. And it almost seemed like it was a propaganda film for Harley <laughs> and how crappy yeah. Indian treated them. And yeah. uh, to this day, I haven't seen it yet, but I, I heard lots about it. So I, I, I want to watch it actually. Cause I, I had the same feeling, even just hearing about it that I was like, yeah, that to me sounds like the same thing. It had a lot of Harley Davidson history in it. And it was Harley, uh, and the Davidsons, you know, so it doesn't even have anybody else in the name, but it doesn't tell you how Harley hosed Excelsior. It doesn't tell you how an Excelsior was actually the very first motorbike to win. Um, they won a lot of flat track stuff back when it was board track. They won a lot of board track stuff and they won the very, very first ever Pikes Peak. They beat Harley and Indian, who was already in a pretty good rivalry. But right. Rolly Free's story starts out with how he hated Harley. So already I liked it. <laughs> I was like, yeah, <laughs> I don't know why I've always hated Harley, but I, I, I personally hate working with them as a company. Um, and I have several friends and family that work for them. And it's not because of the... It's not because of the the bikes or that the or the people. The people that work there are fantastic. It's just the way the business is sort of has been run over the few last few generations, right? And so yeah. to hear that it was happening all the way back in the twenties and thirties uh, was no surprise to me. And I know they hosed um, Indian out of uh, business almost in World War II because of their yep. their deal, right, with the military. And so there's a lot of things they've done, and it was just funny to hear that he hated them too because um, he. It, you got to go watch it now. Now that we've 
got kind of gave you a little spoiler. I'm not going to tell you why he hated him, but go watch it and and it'll be a an eye opening thing. And it's a, and it did, like you said, put a lot of context to that one picture that I've seen as a kid over and over and yeah, over. Yeah. Never knew yeah. anything but and his per- name. And personally, I mean, I, I've I've always like uh, had I've always loved Indian. I've always had a soft spot, and I was so damn close to getting a scout when they when mm. they first came out a few years ago. Crazy, um, but because I um, and uh, I mean, I've I've I'm respect for Harley, and I'm glad they're still around. And they've they've weathered the storms of uh, um, you know the the downtimes and the and their AMC years and all that. And um, but I was never, I mean, it's just not my style of bike. Um, but yeah. and, cause I was, I was born in Springfield, Massachusetts also. So right. that's, so that's why, where you know, Indian, right. So yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's always had a, a soft spot for me, but the closest I ever came to a Harley was when I was riding that Buell for a little while. And, and that was a lot of fun. Um, yeah. but, 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 you know, a cruiser, you know, bagger type of Harley was never my style, uh-uh. uh, but, but, yeah, they, I mean, it's funny. They they've always been pictured as the you know the the evil side versus Indian and in all the and all the <laughs> stories. And maybe that's because Indian lost, and and so they're yeah. they're you know viewed as the underdog or something. But um, yeah, that that movie that came out a few years ago, the the miniseries or whatever it was, was was pretty funny. Where they just tried to paint Harley in such a sympathetic light. Yeah, man, all these people were trying to get Harley down. Hey, listen, Harley came late to the game. Cause Indian was already before they were Indian. They when they were the Hendy Bicycle Company, they yep, were already yep. doing races. They were already into racing, and so Indian motorcycles being started was really just an extension of that heritage. And they just yeah. were into racing. And so now when they've come back, they uh, are into racing again. So I'm with you. I my thing is that Harley um, pre AMF they were. Uh, AMF, that's right. Yeah, yeah pre, <laughs> yeah, pre AMF, and and yeah, yeah, right. AMC would have been another. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. I feel like because the Nokomoto boys like to cry legacy fraud on Polaris for uh, for well for Indian for being a Polaris with the Indian name. Yeah, but you know what? They were in. They bought them. Indian was sold. Hendy got out of it like pre fifty three. He got out of it. Uh, before they went out of business, I think 48 is when he got out of it. And then DuPont bought him. And it just like Harley Davidson, I mean, our, I know Willie G. Davidson still works there, but he technically works for Harley. They could fire him. He's the styling right. guy, right? Along yep. with like 50 other styling guys. He's not like, just because he's a Davidson and he still works there, I think that they're claiming uh, what the Nokomoto boys would call legacy fraud. You know, like it, they, they got bought by AMF and, uh, got rebought by a board of executives or a board of directors. So, I mean, in my, in my opinion, Indian is still Indian because they have got the same thing. Somebody, somebody has bought them throughout the years. They uh, went out of business in 53, but somebody had bought them and kept the stuff and just started making the, making Indian stuff a little later. And then yeah. they came, they moved out here to California for a little bit. And then now they're back in, um, where's Polaris at? They're in Minnesota. Or no, Spirit Lake? Yeah. Somewhere up north. Yeah, yeah. I I don't think they're in Wisconsin, but I know that I think they're in like next state over, which is like what yeah. uh Wyoming. I'm so bad with geography. <laughs> but um but yeah, no, I, I'm with you on that. I have a I have a soft spot for Indian for some reason. And and mostly it's because when I was learning about vintage bikes, um I loved 
Vincent's also. Um, I never really got into the history of them, but I just like the way the Vincent looked and the AJS um, and yep. those old Indians. And and now um, that I've got more into motorcycles, the Excelsiors, like they all look so cool. But yep. I, I, yep. I wouldn't pass up like a Harley, um, a KR750 though. I, I I would take one of those. That's back when like all motorcycles still look like Harleys pretty much. <laughs> um, yeah, I would take one of those. Um, so yeah, you know, the, uh, another clip I saw, so I was, I was, I've been watching the short ones so far that, you know, five, 10, 15 minute shows on the, um, um, moto festival. Um, and the other one I, I, I watched a little while ago was that guy that, um, he made the all, uh, was it all, um, uh, all, what do you, what do you make it out of aluminum or something? The, um, uh, that he's it's it had a a Buell blast engine with like a Ducati head and a, oh whoa uh, and like a um, hydraulic transmission from some other bike and or a hydraulic clutch with with a transmission from other bike and a um, it, it kind of like in a flat track style I think and and it had a perimeter rear um, brake I mean it this and it, it, I don't, you may not have seen this clip yet but it, it, I mean, he won like a dozen different shows with this bike that looked so cool I, I, I can't remember where that guy was from now uh, but that, that was a sweet looking bike that, yeah. that was another good uh, clip on the I'll have, uh, yeah I'll have to look it up because I started watching them and I just let it run last night so I ended up watching a story about the guy a guy who raced a Royal Enfield he tried to do it flat tracking road racing um, salt flat racing, and he tried to do it in like every different discipline that there was. Uh, and, oh, dang. Uh, maybe drag I, yeah, racing. I didn't see that one. But. Yeah. And so it ended up breaking a lot. Uh, but he wanted <laughs> to do it with the, the Trenton Badger or something like that, I want to say it's called. And he had somebody write it in each discipline, somebody different write it. And so, um, and yeah, he tried to do it like in consecutive weekends or something like that too. So it was really crazy going from like it broke at the flat at the uh, road races, the vintage road races, and he was hoping to have it like up and ready for the next week or the next month uh, for the flat track. So I think he tried to do a different discipline every month. It was kind of cool. Um, oh, cool. And then the Ryan Dungey story I've seen, but I haven't seen some of the other cool ones. You were telling me somebody was doing something on a Rocon, and that sounds amazing. Oh, I've been yeah. looking at those recently and, and been all excited for that. Uh, so, yeah, that sounds like exciting. I'm I'm ready to watch some of that stuff right there. Yeah, so so far the ones I've seen, I mean, they're, they're really put together well. You know, good uh, quality and, I mean, just good production going into it and just – I mean, really, really enjoyable. Yeah. Even the there was a silly one about the. Uh, did you see shorthanded that one? Yeah, <laughs> that was ridiculous. That was ridiculous, but yeah, that was kind of funny. I was like, "What is this?" Okay, okay, yeah, that that was pretty fun. Yeah, that's the cool yeah. thing is that a lot of them are really well done documentaries that I had no even like the Raleigh Free one, the Ryan Dungey one. Those are like professionally done documentaries. It seems like yeah, and other yeah, real ones, good production quality. Yeah, and the shorthanded one seems like it was you know just some people doing something for a. Public yeah, access. Shot on their iPhone. There you go. Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's how I think it was. Um, and then other ones are like the, the I started watching the BDR one. That must that seems like it's in real time. I feel like that one's like was like four hours long. You know, <laughs> I don't know how long it really was. Yeah, that, but I, I had to skip over that one for now. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
but yeah, and some of them are really well done, and some of them are like the sobbing scooterist, you know, from the Misfits and stuff. So it's a good mix, and and yeah. you got to remember this film festival is basically like a bunch of curated stuff online, so you don't have to go around searching all of it. You just hit play, and it'll play it, or you can do what Paul did and look at the list and skip around to see what's going to meet your time. Um, if you want to check it out, hey, go to RevSisters.com. And you can get your ticket and get more information because I think they're going to have more. This is one of the first of many. And if COVID keeps going on next year, which I just crossing my fingers that it's over with soon, or at least they get a vaccine pretty soon, um, we can put all this behind us and go back to watching them in person. But if you can't, um, this is the way to do it. And it seems like they're going to have more film festivals on here. You can also get a souvenir T-shirt and there's other little packages and swag. Um and then there's uh, prizes available for people to help who help them support their charity uh, partner, which is All Kids Bike. And if you just go to their website, you'll you'll be able to see all the stuff. You'll be able to buy a ticket for tomorrow if you just want to watch tomorrow. You'll be able to buy one of those uh, 10-day festival passes if you don't have time to watch it tomorrow. Um, and you can get shirts and all that jazz. So, yeah, do do it. Go check it out. And it's fun. And then if you have some feedback, call us and we'll we'll get together. We'll do a group call and we'll all uh, shoot the shit about, you know, our movie reviews. <laughs> so, yeah, it's fun. I'm glad you got a chance to watch some of them. And, and I can't wait to watch the uh, the Rokon one. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a good one. Everyone get out there and, and watch it and then do some writing. Yeah, I know. They are inspiring. They're, that's one thing. The more I see these especially the bdr one even though it was really long and i couldn't pay attention to the whole thing because i kind of had it on in the background it i just seeing that scenery made me want to ride you know what i'm saying i was like oh yes yes um so yeah hey there's a couple things coming up too um the december 13th which is next weekend um dirtbag is presenting donuts and throttle therapy uh there's it's going to be a motorcycle show out at 206 east day street in redlands uh, it's going to be from 9 to 11 a.m., and then they're going to do like a little ride afterwards. So that's one thing I have to say, Paul. I haven't gone riding hardly at all this year. Uh, like, you know, we already talked about the extent that we've ridden. I One thing's crazy is the motorcycle scene here in California, even during the, lock quote, lockdown, hasn't stopped. If you uh, follow California motorcycle community on Instagram, there's at least like something every day, it seems like. And on the weekends, there's been like five things to do. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that people are still getting out there. I'm, me personally, just because of people I know and, and people getting sick and, and all that, I'm, I'm still a little wary of, of hanging around too many people, but, but I'm glad people are getting out and riding. And if you're, if you're doing it, safely then i'm all for it yeah um i'm i'm still not quite there yet for getting together with you know more group rides but um but i'm happy enough getting out on the road and and um you know getting some fresh air but yeah um yeah i'm glad to see that that people are still making a point of getting out there right i know and this isn't their only motorcycle show that they've shown i mean they've been having them all uh summer long for sure and lots of group rides, but this is a uh, um, not to brag, but here in California we can have shows mm-hmm. in December, and it's not 
snowing and raining yet. So, <laughs> so <laughs> not to brag, but to brag. So I thought I'd mention that. That's uh, there's probably more that's been announced since I made these notes a few days ago. But we're gonna roll with that one. And I still think that the uh, OC vintage bike. Um, gathering that one i know hasn't been very big from the beginning anyway and it's been even smaller since uh the whole covid thing um so they still get together and from the pictures i see um looks like most people are are pretty good about social distancing and wearing masks even though it's in orange county which everyone in orange county uh i went camping there last couple weekends ago and apparently everyone in Orange County is immune because no, nobody had masks on except for inside the grocery store. Uh, I had to make a stop at a grocery store for some firewood and something else. And so nobody had uh, masks on anywhere else except for inside the grocery store. And I was like, wow. And people would come like right up next to you. We, we went hiking and uh, thought we were going to get away from people. But it turns out there's more people um, hiking in OC than anywhere else. And people would come just right next to you. We hiked down to the beach from our campsite and people were just cruising up. And I was like, what the heck, people? Like, at least kind of keep your, I don't, you know, it's not like we're going to say, you know, you can't come to the beach, but just, it's just weird to come sit down next to somebody and you don't know after not having it that way for months. Right. So I was a little wary. We, we, we got up and bailed. We were like, no, we're not, we're not down with this, but yeah, apparently OC has been, well, it's been one of the hotbeds here in, uh, SoCal for transmissions and numbers staying up. But like you said, uh, I'm down for doing stuff just responsibly. You know what I'm saying? Like, yep, so yep. Uh, just be safe. And yeah. be, I mean, it's, it's, it's just, it's science people, you know, yeah, just, just yeah. be, you know, just be for me. I mean, it, uh, vaccines right around the corner. And when people start getting vaccinated, that means less people are going to get sick and less people are going to spread it around. And that that's when the tide will turn and we'll, we'll all be out uh, be yeah. able to get back out on yeah. two wheels. I know. And I, I kind of applaud the, uh, I heard that the, LA Sheriff and the Riverside County Sheriff um, on Instagram made the statements that they weren't going to enforce um, Gavin Newsom's um, like mandated arrests of like business people and stuff like that. And because here he is like at a meet at a, at a <laughs> d- yeah. d- dinner, not wearing a mask and <laughs> like, you know, bad example, bad example. And so, yeah. uh, I mean, you know, People make mistakes, but I mean that's during this time uh, you, you, you think yeah, you'd be you gotta, like, you, vigilant. Yeah. yeah, you gotta set the example. Yeah, you know? for, you sure. for sure. For yeah. sure. <laughs> so um I think, you know, it is crazy for people that are doing the right thing to close it down, to close everything down and put them out of business. Um, you know, I so I mean I on one hand I'm like, yeah, I, you know, I think people need to do the right thing. But on the other hand, I think that you should uh, give people that opportunity and not just arbitrarily close everybody down. You know, there's, yeah, I mean, the, things could be done smartly, you know I mean? People could be working there. There's no need to, to shut it down completely. I'm, yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I, I love the fact that everybody was doing outdoor dining and, and all the restaurants were setting up stuff, uh, setting up outside and setting up tents and tables out there. And I mean, it was good to see people out and businesses back, and and running and yeah um and people working and but um yes yeah, so i mean the just a, a lockdown is is no bueno yeah i mean if you're gonna do it do it for 
right. way, way back in April, right, way back in April, right, and get it over with, right. and and hopefully stop everything. And yeah, I yeah, mean, but dragging it on like this, and you know, it's been yeah, it's been a little nuts. Um, and d- definitely, I've been ordering more food. We've been um, spending a lot on food because we don't yep. want our local businesses to go out of business, right? Yep. Our yep. little town here depends on uh all that stuff and when the outdoor dining opened they were like stoked because it's the first business they'd seen in months right um right and then yeah to have it go back because of the the county you know every like town by town i think they could uh probably see that it's you know when you look at numbers for the whole county and like a little town isn't contributing to that or like there's one case here one case here it, it's hard because i mean your numbers did go up but i mean it's one person per like the hundred or so towns that make up your county then yeah i think there's a smarter way to do it but the whole yeah yeah and and the little towns here and there i mean when when things are spread out a little bit more you can you can be careful it's you know the bigger cities like around here riverside is is back in a uh a, the purple tier and and having to sh- shut down more but um in the all the little towns that surround Riverside, where it's spread or spread out more, you've you've got opportunity to avoid people. And there's there's not a downtown where you're, you know, constantly walking and interacting with people. And so I mean, you can I don't know maybe if they need to be looking at it a little more granularly or something. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, that's a good thing. I mean, I'm glad the sheriff isn't gonna run around and you know I I know why the I know why you have to do it. I mean, it's not—it's probably not really easy being the uh, governor. You know what I'm saying? Oops, there's our. Uh, let me get that music off here. I don't even know if you can hear it, but I can. Let me mute this real fast. There we go. Um, so yeah, I know it's not easy being the governor and trying to be responsible because if you don't do anything, you're gonna have half the side chewing you out. But if you do something crazy, you're gonna have the other half chewing you out, right? So everybody's been calling everybody sheep this whole year too. It's getting on my nerves because it's like, well. Which site? Which sheep are you? Everybody's a sheep in this situation. Which which <laughs> sheep are you? You know, are you the one that's saying people uh, should do this thing, or are you the ones that saying people shouldn't do this thing? You know, so it's like, man, like it's it's been a crazy year. I hope I just hope that next year brings everybody back together. I'm gonna be so happy to see people um, uh, again. And in the long run, I mean, it's one year out of my life. I've never experienced yeah. anything like this in my entire life. And yeah, my, I mean, and the whole world, you know. If, yeah, yeah. So I mean, if, if, my, if my, more people rode motorcycles, then uh, then there'd be a lot fewer problems. The, yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that's true. All those people on those subway trains, like in New York, I was wondering how the hell, and in Japan, Ugh. I was just wondering how they were going to do it. And yeah. um, Matt from my motorbike obsessions, he's uh, over in Japan, stationed right now, and he said, "Yeah, the response hadn't been great." up to i mean i haven't talked to him in a couple months but he's like yeah it hasn't really been great but um i had heard a bunch of stuff about how japan was having to shut stuff down because people were getting sick and they didn't have enough staff at that point you know and it's like oh shit yeah that's a densely populated area yeah everyone commutes on like public uh transportation too so that's the thing about new york too i know people from jersey commute in and uh uh, Manhattan surrounded by like 
what New Jersey, upstate, and then on the south side, I forget. And then like, isn't Massachusetts or somewhere like right on the uh, on well, the, Connecticut or Connecticut? Right. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, you got all these things coming right into the city there. Public transportation. And I'm like, how are they going to do that? So many thousands of people riding trains and buses yeah, at, you're, every day. You're crammed into those cars like sardines. <laughs> if everyone just commuted on a motorbike. That's right. <laughs> you got you got your helmet on, so you're not going to be breathing on anybody. Yeah, there's been a couple times where I even wore my hel- uh, my mask under my helmet because because people <laughs> so people could see like you know I was going into a store and I wanted them to see that I wasn't just chilling with my helmet. So there was a couple times where I took it with me and put it on under my helmet before I went in, and then uh, if it was just going to be a short ride, I just wore it to the store real quick. But, yeah, so it's, yeah, it's definitely, and then you go to the motorcycle shows. There's been a few gatherings um, up here at Angeles Crest and stuff, and you go by and, like, nobody's got a mask. So you're like, well, there goes that. There (laughs) there goes being safe. (laughs) But, you know, whatever. If you're not sick, you're probably not out riding, you know, so... Um, but yeah, so this, it has been a hell of a year. Um, I hope all this stuff gets to, uh, gets us back to normal next year, but there's already been some impact, um, for next year, uh, for all that. So I'm going to do the news real quick. Do you want to stick around or you, uh, you want me to let you go? Uh, sure. I'll stick around. I'm, I'm in it for this long. Let's, let's go yeah, for it. Yeah. What the hell? So, um, a little bit of news I got, uh, quite a bit of news, actually. Uh, we're going to wrap up 2020 here in a nutshell. So uh, good segue, speaking of what we just uh, were just talking about, um, the spread. So this thing, uh, back in January, I don't know if you remember, but the, the biggest news happening back in January was, A, Australia was on fire, and like every single koala in the world was just on the verge of extinction, right? We were so worried about that. That was the the end of December leading into January. Um, January, I believe, is also when Harley Davidson sacked Matt Levitich, or he chose to pursue other dreams or whatever they always say when they fire somebody. Um, And Joachim Zykes, or whatever his name is, came in, and they changed Harley basically for the entirety of 2020, and then COVID hit, and I think it's going to have some longer-lasting uh, repercussions than just sacking Matt Levitage. So, um, that was the big thing. Also Norton in England, um, turns out it had been being run by a con man. And so there was going to be hundreds of people, I think maybe a few thousand, maybe up to like 5,000 people or 4,000 people that, um, the big deal about Norton was it was brought back by the state. It was a state-funded or state-subsidized um, or government-subsidized uh, endeavor to get the Norton name back, Go, you know, a, a great British legend back. So, I mean, if Harley-Davidson uh, did something similar in the 80s with the um, the chicken tax where they got the government to help them put tariffs on um, – Japanese bikes for quote like market dumping and all that stuff when it wasn't necessarily the uh the what was going on but Harley got the government to help them but the government didn't full on like give them money to still be Harley like during the AMF uh, or after the AMF years right so I guess the big thing in in England was that uh the British government had literally gave like taxpayer money to Norton to come back and then it turns out a con man had been 
running the deal the whole time and like embezzling everything. And now Norton's out of business and the taxpayers are liable now for like the 5,000 employees pensions and stuff like that, that they're supposed to be uh, given. Right. And then, uh, MotoGP started and Yamaha ran an illegal motor. So that's how 2020 started. And then boom, you know how it's ended you know how it's gone this whole, whole year. Things have just got crazier and crazier. Um, the American flat track season was just starting. Um, the literally the weekend that the shutdown happened, uh, Daytona bike week was in full effect. And I think mama tried was as well. Uh, and so people were really pissed and Daytona bike week got cut short. Like th- they started practicing like Thursday or Friday or doing some road races. And then, uh, Friday or Saturday, whenever the announcement was made that there was going to be like a, uh, mandated, um, quarantine, um, they just they had to stop Daytona Bike Week. Uh, Mama Tried also got shut down, and it was like, yeah, this is a real. This is becoming a thing. This is back when it first was a couple people on a cruise ship, and it'll be gone by Easter or in two weeks. To this, right? So, um, uh, yeah, up until then, that was the biggest news. Um, and so now, uh, twenty twenty has made it this far. Harley Davidson has fully done a switcheroo on what they're going to release. I don't even know if we're going to see the Pan American now. Um, because it's been up on their website all year, um, and it was supposed to be as a 2021, and now they're pushing their. I don't. I'm not embargoed. I'm not under any embargo, so I don't think I'm uh, not supposed to say this. But I know that Harley Davidson isn't going to be announcing their 2021 models until uh, actually 2021. Um, so we're not even going to know what the new models are until after December. So that happened. Um, also. Uh, the Isle of Man TT got canceled, but they still ran the Classic and the Manx, I believe, um, which is like the uh, the two other races that like almost nobody knows about. So that happened, um, and they already announced this year that they're gonna they're going to um, cancel the 2021 TT already, and they're trying to make um, I don't know. They're trying to go ahead and see if they can still hold the Classic and the Manx uh, again. And those two usually happen like about a month after the, uh, excuse me, after the uh, the regular TT happens. The classic and the Manx are like the ones that have classic bikes, and then the smaller displacement bikes and and uh, stuff like that. So that's already got canceled for twenty twenty one. So I don't know exactly how far ahead people are looking and closing stuff, but I'm with you. Where I hope a vaccine's right around the corner, and I hope all of the stuff that was. Ha- you know, happening is uh, going to actually happen now, right? So um, along with this, IMS, is this something you used to go to? You used to go to IMS a lot, yeah? Yeah, every year. Every year. Tradition. Yeah, me too. Since 20, uh, when did I start going? I think 20, 2007 I started going. And so uh, that's back when it was Toyota, back before Progressive took it over, and it was That's Toyota right. shows, yeah. So they canceled this year, obviously, and I just got notification uh, a couple months ago, hey, guess what? This is traditionally the start of the IMS uh, schedule, but we're going to go outdoors this year. Uh, I got contacted on uh, Friday, or no, Thursday, I guess it was, that I could I could announce on Friday. Well, guess what? It's Saturday, so I'm, I'm free to announce the schedule. Um the 21 schedule for IMS Outdoors is going to be this. Calif- uh, Southern California, well, I guess I should start in order. 
they're going to kick it off in uh, June in Denver. And that's a pretty good place to kick it off because I know uh, uh, out here it's going to be pretty hot when it's going on. Um, so June 20, or I'm sorry, June 18th and 20th, it's going to kick off in Denver, uh, Colorado, and it's going to be IMS Outdoors. It's supposed to be refocusing pretty much on um, power sports at this point. So no, it's, it's still IMS, but it is, uh, so it's International Motor Sport Shows, I think is kind of what they're uh-huh. going to be transitioning to. They're still calling it IMS, um, but it's kind of like MTV where... Remember when MTV used to say music television underneath it, and then eventually, like in the 2000s, they dropped that, and it just says MTV now? I think IMS is going to eventually stand for International Motorsport uh, Show. Mm. So they're going to be talking about, um, I mean, you know, when you went, Honda announced the Talons last year, and the side-by-side market's been going off. And I think with the uh, with COVID happening this year, the side-by-side, side-by-side sales um, – for people that were still working and could still afford it, actually like doubled, uh, and off-road bikes because the people that were going camping and trying to get away from others, they never closed down recreation, right? So if you can get your family a side by side, guess what? You can go out to the desert and all this and that, and party with all the people out there um, that are trying to hide hide out, right? <laughs> um, but so as a result, I think. Um, I also I want to say like 2016 or 2017, um, Robert Pandia, who was who's been a spokesperson at the uh, IMS for a long time, um, he had a little thing at Lucky Wheels called the Give a Shift Roundtable, and they were already worried about the um, motorcycle market and motorcycle sales being on like this downward trend, and ever since then, side by side sales have been going up. So I think the writing was on the wall a few years ago and COVID gave IMS a perfect chance to rebrand. So, um, and like I said, last year at the show, one of the biggest announcements Honda made was, wasn't the new Goldwing. It was the talents. You know what I'm saying? They almost didn't change anything else. They updated the Africa twin and that was about it. Besides, besides that, I mean, it was the talents. It was the biggest news they had to share. Um, so yeah, so the IMS Outdoors is going to give you hands-on rides now, and and the reason they're going outdoors is because they can focus on, uh, uh, what was the um, the booth Adventure Out? That's what it was called. So the Adventure Out booth that they used to have at IMS was literally just a little area where you could see the outdoor products, but now that it's going to be um literally outdoors they'll be able to be set up and show you all this stuff how it works in the wild you'll be able to you're supposedly going to be able to take some dual sports on some test rides and and side by sides on test drives um instead of just looking at them at the showroom so i do think it's kind of cool i think that uh being in the i know they used to be in the winter time to give us people something to do but i think being in the summertime is epic because everybody will be able to test ride stuff and in the past pretty much only the people here in SoCal and maybe the ones in um, Texas got to uh, yeah. test ride. I, stuff. I remember the the first couple the first couple of shows when I was out in California were in December and then they moved it to November and and we had a a bad run of luck uh, for a few years where it seemed to rain every time yeah. that the the show came into town. So it, it'd be interesting to see what happens when they run it in the summer, uh, did, have they said where they're going to have it in Southern California yet? They haven't. So, so 
Denver is all it says for that. So at least they have a city. Um, July 9th through 11th. So that's going to be pretty toasty in July. I mean, there there are times where it can be cool in July, but and even rainy sometimes, like weird times. But that's going to be pretty yeah. toasty if, if, if the last July has <laughs> anything to say about it, right? So, yeah. man, and I, I've been in Denver in the summer before and it is brutal there. The I, I humidity, right? Cool and, yeah. Oh, no. it, was, it was hot and, yeah. and humid and just, oh, man. Yeah. So, that's my thing is that they better be testing like um, wicking products. They better be showing you, you know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> they're, if they're going to have it in summer, they're going to have the exact same problems that they had with not being able to test ride stuff in winter is that now everybody will be able to test ride stuff, but no gear. It'll just be all hot and sweaty. So you better not be sharing <laughs> gear, right? Yeah, um, be melting. Yeah. So Southern California is going to be July 9th through 11th, which last July 9th through 11th was hot as all hell. Um, yeah. no- Northern California will be the next weekend, so the 16th through the 18th. And then they're going to Chicago uh, for August 20th to 22nd, which also ought to be nice and balmy in, in the Midwest in, this, in August, right? So um, – New York City is going to be September 3rd through 5th. And New York City is not in on Manhattan, right? New York City is in the... I mean, I don't know the East Coast very well, but maybe you you know it better than I do. New York City is in New York upstate, right? It's on, It's on. It's got places no. you could ride. Uh, you, know, there, you have to get out of the city to ride. I mean, um, anywhere down in, um, in the city is... Um, is it, you, I mean, it's really, there's no riding there. It, got it's you. Just, it's, you know, it seems like it's always gridlock and there's construction and, gotcha. um, but yeah, once, once you get out and get up North, I mean, in New York, once you get up North and, um, and up on your way towards, uh, I don't know what's up that way. Like Schenectady. <laughs> uh, yeah. That, up that way you get up towards Lake George and, um, places like that. It, it gets super nice. Uh, um, Gotcha. Uh, is it the Adirondacks? Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And the Catskills. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it just says New York City. So, again, at least it's not – because I was like, New York City's not Manhattan. Not Manhattan. You know, I, 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 I think Manhattan yeah, I mean, is Manhattan, right? So New York City, I was thinking it was upstate, right? It's on this – it's on the land side. So at least, it, at least if they have it on the outskirts of New York City, you can maybe get out of there. So – yeah. 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 Cause even like even, uh, on the North side up by, um, central park, I mean, it's still, that's all for walking. I mean, even the roads all around the park are the same. It's, it's city, even, even though it's, um, uptown, it's still busy. You yeah. know, I mean, there, there's, there's no place that's, um, that's yeah. easy riding around there. You gotta right. get out of, out of the city. Right. So if it is New York, quote New York City, I'm imagining that they're going to have it on the not Manhattan side, but on the actual like land lock side. So, so you can get out and get out, out into the uh, roads, actual drivable New York traffic. Um, Pennsylvania, it just says Pennsylvania. So who knows any somewhere in Pennsylvania, Allentown or I don't know where the hell, Pennsylvania, but that's going to be September 10th to 12th. Um, Nashville is going to be October 8th through 10th. And Nashville, again, another city that uh, I know the Grand Old Opry's there, but it's a uh, um, quite a big city. 
so that'll be interesting. Um, says Central Florida, October 15th to 17th, and, th- and then Atlanta, October 29th through 31st. So Central Florida and Atlanta and Nashville in October, that actually it might be nice. It, it might yeah. not be too too cold yet, but uh, um, I think they picked a good time for it. Um, and all it says is, uh, riders and those interested in riding can expect two and four wheel demos, rider education, entertainment, custom and vintage bikes, and premier brands with RVs and uh, electrics to explore. So RVs, I don't, I, I think they mean recreational vehicles, um, meaning side by sides, quads, um, and then a whole bunch of electric vehicles. So. Uh, yeah, so that got announced and, and of course that was like a big part of my year that just, um, went out the window, you know, I didn't get to, uh, didn't get to go to that this year, but at least they're rebranding and next year it's going to be, um, real good. Um, so let me see the Island Man got canceled for this year and next year already. Um, I'm assuming that the, the Baja, uh, I don't even know if they're going to call it the Grand Prix or the TT of the Americas or something. They were going to have a race in, um, outside of Mexicali down in Mexico that was basically like the Isle of Man. Uh, it was going to be a road race through, uh, Baja, well, not Baja, through Northern Mexico, um, I wish I could remember what they were going to call it. I think it was just going to be called the TT of the Americas. And it was going to be in northern Mexico so that it would be, uh, you know, the rules in racing in America, the insurance stuff. I mean, I'm sure the Baja 1000 already has enough insurance and policies and safeguards, but it's still pretty wild west. So to do something like that in America, uh, out of the question, like the liability would just be crazy. Um, so they were going to have it in Mexico and it was going to be northern Mexico so that it was close enough for all the American riders that want to go do it. And then also uh, in Mexico, you could be coming up north um, and it would still be uh, still be in Mexico So uh, for the for the liability sake. So that thing's probably got canceled because I don't think that Mexico is allowing Americans for like the first time in like uh, a hundred or at least 90 years, Mexico's not allowing Americans in. So, uh, yeah, I think that, that race got canceled because it was supposed to happen in January or February. So I think we're two months away and we ain't going to happen. Um, this year was also supposed to be, um, I went to the Catalina Grand Prix back when it was, I think 2010, uh, when that happened. I wanted to go to that. Oh God, it was so much fun. And I had a couple friends that raced it. And so me and Brady were talking earlier this year and he's like, yeah, man, let's race this thing. And, and, and he knows the guy putting it on and, um, well, and that was the first time they'd run that in like 20 something years, right? No, since the 53, I think was the last one or 58. Yeah. So that one in 2010 was the first time in almost, uh, like 60 years, I want to say. Um, I should have gone. Yeah. Or 58 years, something like that was a long time. And then it was gone. Um, but it's funny when you go over to that Catalina, most of the vehicles there are either small, super small. Like you see a lot of minis over there and stuff. And a lot of those weird little Subaru, um, cars that are only in Japan, like those little trucks that are like 800 CCs and then a lot of electrics. Um, so it is kind of weird that they let the Grand Prix go over there. Um, that year they had to ship, um, 
not even not just all the bikes, but they had to ship all the fuel and everything over there because everything runs on electric, right? And or diesel because it's a boat, you know. So uh, they don't have a lot of petrol over there for for uh, vehicles. So they had to ship all that stuff over there. It's such a cool. That was such a cool event, and that whole island was going off. It was just so fun to be around a lot of motorcyclists. And then I was bummed when it didn't come back the next year. Um, so I was super excited this year, I think in February, they were talking about it. Um, and there was a post about it and somebody created an Instagram account. And obviously, uh, I think it was supposed to be happening this weekend or next weekend. And so obviously (laughs) that thing has fell by the wayside too. Hopefully it was already a long shot from what I heard, even with like a year of planning being made and like they had been, they've been throwing it around for like a couple years now because the first one, the last one was so fun. Um, so even with all the planning and talking, it was already a long shot. So this definitely sealed the, uh, put the nail in the coffin on that thing. So that's not happening. Um, and, uh, yeah, there's a bunch of things that, uh, I don't know. I, the, the, the good thing is, is that motorcycle still came out. Ducati trickled out, uh, five, um, press releases. I haven't looked at any of them, but, uh, let me see. They introduced a new motor, the V4 Gran Turismo. Um, I think I saw they introduced a new monster. Um, they're putting this V4 Gran Turismo in, uh, I think one of the Panigales or something like that. Um, or, or maybe the street fighter. Um, and so, yeah, there's five press releases from Ducati that I haven't even looked at. Um, whoops. And, um, all right, so I'm probably falling away from the mic here. <laughs> There's um, five press releases that I haven't even haven't even uh, got a look at from Ducati, but they have been sending them out um, over the uh, course of the last few weeks, and they're trickling bikes out. So the good news is that there's still stuff coming out, right? Um, did you see what Kawasaki just released uh, right before Thanksgiving? Uh, I I saw the news about it, like the the KLR. Um... I saw that they they announced what their uh, models are going to be, but I never even looked into it to see what was coming. So listen to this. Um, They introduced a uh, a KLX uh, 300, which is kind of funny because they had a KLX 230 just last year, the year before, and a KLX 250 that they have. They introduced a KLX 300 and also a KLX 300 Supermoto. Um. So yeah, that is a KLX 300 Supermoto. Sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, and it looks like a lot of fun. Um, yeah, let me get my microphone over here in front of me. I was trying to read the trying to read my monitor and look away from my mic. So um, bad, bad podcasting. It shows you I haven't <laughs> done it in a while. Um, yeah, so they introduced that. They they redid the um, the ZX 10R and the ZX 10RR, which they do like every two years, and uh, is so they can keep Jonathan Ray on top of the world superbike podium. That fool just won like his sixth title in a row, sixth consecutive title. So yeah, they announced that, and they're one of the only ones that, in my mind, have been dropping um, for the last. Uh, I want to say last year. What did they bring last year too? The Z nine hundred and the Z nine hundred RS were pretty good, and I think those did those have done a lot better than. Yamaha. I I have seen some of the Yamaha XSRs on the road recently, but I don't feel like the XSRs had the same sort of uh, 
uh, I don't know, they just didn't have that same bite or didn't get the same attention that the Z900 RS has. Because I've seen a ton around here, at least in, in my part of town, a bunch of Z900 RSs and the Kawasaki. Every time Kawasaki does something, you know they go big with it, right? So, yeah, yeah so the, they did that. They came out with the Z900, which is good, and they upped, they redid that one, redesigned that one a little bit. Um, and hadn't made a whole bunch of waves except for that they were bringing out a whole bunch of cool stuff like the W800 and all that jazz and the H2, of course, every single year adding on a new version of that. And then so now the Supermoto, I was trying to think the last company that's had a Supermoto, the, the, well, the last Supermoto, I know a lot of people like to talk about the Honda XR650, um, but, but a lot of people turn those into Supermotos. Yeah. Um, the DR, that's the only thing I can, that's the only factory supermoto I can think of unless uh, KTM's well, well, got one. Uh, Ducati had, um, a couple supermoto bikes. They, they, maybe they were a little bit bigger. Did they have like a, they had the hypermotard. Uh, yeah. They had the hypermotard. You're right about yeah, that. Yeah. I mean, but I, I thought they also had, I mean, I, I thought they also had one that was just a, like a little bit slimmed down from that. That looked more like a traditional supermoto. They might like the uh I know the Hypermotard, but maybe did they have something called the uh well the Hypermotard was a um nine fifty. But I you're right, they might have had like a Dorsa Duro or something. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound yeah, right? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um yeah, that maybe that was like a smaller one. But I haven't I don't know if they've sold that one for a while. I should look on their website before I just start blabbing. Um but you know the DRZ four hundred is the last like factory one because Honda had that uh, XR and actually uh, my landlord has one of them the uh, Honda I I think it's the X XR six fifty uh, L but I think it was it came as Supermoto he he didn't have to do anything to it he he got it like that but it's you know they haven't made those for a little bit um, and then uh, Yamaha had the WR 450 Supermoto, and then they made the WR250 Supermoto, and they quit making that one even. Um, they haven't had those around for a good... I think the 450's been gone for about 10 years now, and the 250's been gone for about, I don't know, I want to say three or four, maybe five years. It's passed already. I didn't already. even know that, because I've got the the WR250 Dual Sport. I, I didn't yeah. know they made a Supermoto. Yeah, I, I think I, I'm going off memory. I want to say it was about five years ago now. They had a dual sport version of that. I think that you could get um, that replaced the four. I, I thought I thought they dropped the two fifty and keep the four fifty right to compete with the DRZ. But since then, I can't think of anybody else who's had a factory unless, like I'm saying, maybe KTM has because um, I don't really. It's hard to. It's hard for me to keep track of like KTM and Husqvarna um, since they are. Believe it or not, I mean, I kind of consider them niche brands because they are their manufacturing numbers aren't, you know, near what like Honda and Kawasaki are. Um, yeah. so maybe they might actually have a supermoto. Um, I remember seeing yeah, some slide yeah, at KTM for around. Ducati, for Ducati, I'm only seeing the hypermotard. So maybe I, um, yeah, that's I'm, the one. Yeah, yeah. That's the only one I can remember. And that's like way out of the, that already puts the, uh, you know, not a whole lot of people jump in those at like the SoCal Supermoto uh, track days. Yeah. <laughs> this is a little bit bigger. So, yeah, this is the first time. So that's why I'm excited. Kawasaki, they did it with the Ninja back in 83 where they made the first small sport bike um, that was 
not a two-stroke. Um, I mean, there was two-stroke small bikes back in the 80s, but, I mean, they made the first Ninja and kept it going, and it's still around today um, as a 400. And so uh, it was kind of exciting to see these KLXs come out, and I already liked them. I really liked the way the KLX uh, 230 looked, and I thought that's a good size for just learning on and for having a cheap bike to rip around on. And then so now that I see the 300 Supermoto come out, I was super excited. Um it dropped right before Thanksgiving too. So globally, maybe not a big deal, but in the States, I don't know how many people were already trying to plan a way to meet up with people and not <laughs> during this COVID like worry, right? Um and, and everything else on the plate on everybody's plate already. Thanksgiving was a weird week to drop this. So I don't know how many headlines it's made, but uh, the KLX 300 SM comes in just under 6000 bucks, which is a pretty good price for um, a supermoto period. I forget how much the DRZ comes in, but I think it's a little more than that or just around there. Um, it's barely, it's just over 300 pounds, so it's pretty light. Um, and it plugs a hole that Honda and Yamaha both left when they dropped their um, supermotos back in the day. Like the Honda hasn't been around for a hot second. They've had the XR650L dirt bike version for a while, but the supermoto one has not been available for quite a while. And then, like I said, with Yamaha, you're right. Yamaha hasn't had theirs, I want to say for a decade almost. I think 2010, maybe they still had the 250. I can't remember, but they did have a supermoto version that you could get at least. It might have been a it might have been a dealer installed sort of thing, but I remember it being on their website. Um, and I haven't seen it in a long time, so I'm guessing a decade ago. So yeah, Suzuki's been the only one to to have a factory one. Um, um, and so now Kawasaki's like, listen, we're gonna we're gonna pl- plug this hole. Um, uh, the ZX10R, I already said the R and RR got updated a little bit. Um, and so Jonathan Ray is going to be like the Michael Schumacher of motorbikes. Uh, <laughs> he just keeps winning six, uh, you know, six world superbike titles in a row. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. I, I'm excited about that. I'm excited that people are still putting stuff out. Um, Yamaha just came out with the um, new update. I don't know if you've seen that, but the MT-09 and the MT-07 got updated and luckily they left the MT-10 and MT-03 alone because the MT-09 looks pretty ugly to me. Um, (laughs) They take, it it looked pretty cool with the two like R1 style front lamps, you know, when it first came out, but it had that ugly, weird, like um, bracket on the back that added sprung weight. It was like the, not only was it like the license plate light, but it, it was also the axle adjuster. When you adjusted the axle, you had to slide that whole huge, weird rear fender back. Um, oh, weird. Yeah, it wasn't a very good design in my opinion, but Wiggins was telling me it was like a Euro-style thing, and I think I'd seen it on like a Ducati or something too and went, oh, okay, or like a KTM, and I thought, ah, oh, that is very European, um, but it was ugly. Um, and so this year it was kind of to get that stubby back end, you know how that's kind of becoming hip, like hipsters really do play a part in the, uh, uh, design of things like where things are going now is directly related to what hipsters were doing like three or four years ago. It's (laughs) like, yeah, let's find, let's find something that's cool. Let's get it to market. We need to start it now because it takes a little bit to run up a bike. Right. So they, they got rid of that weird like thing where they kept the stubby rear end, um, the the front end just looks terrible. It, the MT07 actually to me looks like they took a um uh 
like a baseball glove and just epoxied it over last year's headlamp. It's just, it's weird. It's like got a whole bunch of slits that the lights come out of and like one central hole. Both of them are Cyclopses now. Um, just like this big, huge, weird um, headlight that sits in there. And when you look at like schematics of how it goes together, it's just, it's weird. It's like, wow, you really had to like try to make this headlamp inconveniently shaped and then make a fairing to go around it, you know? So it's really ugly. When you see it, you'll, you'll just be glad they left the MT-10 alone. Um, the cool thing is they kept those weird colors that they've been having on those things. So I, I did like that, but yeah, it's, and they got rid of that, um, rear fender that added unsprung weight because like the last thing you want on a motorbike is unsprung weight and so getting rid of that probably fixed some of the handling but man they're making these things uglier and uglier and uglier every iteration so uh that happened let me see what else happened this year so triumph launched the trident 660 um that was back in october but i you know there was a bunch of 660s that in the aprilia 660 i feel like the 660 is going to be the new 650 you know what i'm saying um, I feel like Suzuki is going to be coming out with like a GSXR 660 next year or something like that. So, well, we'll yeah, remember and remember Ninja had a uh, like a 636. Yeah, right. Because they they had their 600, 600 RR, and then a 636, and I think it was something to do with like uh, race requirements or right. something. Right. Yeah, the ZX6R is is the uh, that Ninja version is the 636. Yeah, and the other one's just like oh, 600. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, you're right. It's something to do with some sort of minimums or or meeting some sort of boring stroke that I think that's why they have that 636 version. So this, uh, you know, this pandemic has been global, um, for sure. Uh, despite what a lot of, um, my family in Arkansas was thinking <laughs> that it's just a way to get Trump out of office. It happened in, it, it's been hitting other parts of the world. So ICMA got canceled this year as well. Um, so AIM and IMS, those were all canceled and the releases to me went better than planned. Um, especially for triumph. They said that, um, when they launched their 660 Trident, I've heard a lot of people talking about it and it's been on a few other industry podcasts. And there was a YouTube video that they put out followed by like a social media in-person like unboxing sort of event the next day. And it said that it generated a bigger wave of attention than they expected. Uh, And within one week of the launch, they had already booked more than 10 times the number of deposits compared to any standard production bike to date. So even during this pandemic, um, doing it right, apparently, like having a YouTube and then having like a social media thing and having an an exciting new, quote, new model that kind of like builds on one of their old legacy, um, one of their old like legendary bikes. Uh, Yeah, 10 times. And it's not like Triumph is like Honda or Kawasaki where they're selling hundreds of thousands of models. So I'm, um, you know, 10 times, I don't know what that means. That means a thousand. I don't know, (laughs) but still they were saying that it's pretty good. So despite this, um, pandemic, something good's coming out of it, that, and, uh, what's it called? Um, Ducati being able to do all their press releases online and still have that sort of stuff, um, go pretty well for them and not having to nab these weird, like, uh, Italian models to go do their stuff for them. I think it's been easier. It's been less of a financial burden for them to do it digitally. Right. Um, they usually have to put on such a production like Ferrari or something when they release their stuff. 
Um, other news I got here, this is kind of exciting too. Um, Gas Gas, who is known for their trials and off-road bikes, uh, it's a Spanish company. They're expanding to uh, Tarmac this year. They're going to go uh, MotoGP racing. Um, and then did you hear about this? This um, this came across in the... Uh, let me think. This was big in Electrek. I just read about this. And then I've heard a couple other places that in... Um, uh, New Hampshire. No, 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 New Hampshire. No, Austin, Texas. That's where it is. There's a um a, a new EV company coming out in Austin that just launched. They're barely six weeks old, maybe seven weeks now. They're called um Volcon. Have you heard of them yet or heard anything about them? Uh, are they the one um uh, making the trials electric trials bike? Uh I don't they don't make an electric trials bike, but they have a electric bike that kind of looks like a Rokon. Uh speaking of Rokons, um and it's called the Grunt. Um so it says that they are, let me see, they are focused on off-highway market right now, and they got models that include the Grunt, which kind of looks like um, a Rokon Trailbreaker had a baby with one of those like little Coleman BT200 mini bikes. You know what you know what, what I'm talking about? Those little yeah. fat tire guys. Yeah, so they got one of those. But apparently, dude, this thing's supposed to get 100 miles at slow speeds. So that's better than my SCR gets. <laughs> like That thing is terrible <laughs> on gas. Um, but it's a cool-looking little electric bike, and it, and it looks like a TW200 or like one of those Coleman like camp bikes. So, apparently, yeah. you know, that's what they're going for. They got a two-seater side-by-side that kind of looks like they put the Hot Wheels Swerve on a Honda Talon. And then they got this one that's called the Beast, which kind of, kind of looks like a pickup truck that got uh, the rock crawler treatment because it's got like no doors. It's got big fat tires. Um, and I read about them uh, in a few different um, publications. One of them was about a motorbike, so it was talking about their little grunt. And one was talking about, um, I think Electrek was just excited that there's a new company that's focusing, like we got Tesla focused on um, cars, obviously, right? And then Rivian, who I believe is also a U.S. company focused on trucks that apparently suck. I have heard terrible things after a long way up about the Rivians. Um, and nobody's focusing on uh, like smaller, lightweight stuff. And so these guys are attacking the market. They're building them here in Austin. So it's not like a foreign uh, company um, coming in. And they got, uh, what's it called? They have, uh, they have a... They have a, uh, let me see here, a 53-acre property in uh, right in Texas. They're they're building a small facility there. They get, they're running them out of Austin right now, but they just bought a 53-acre uh, property that's going to have a little test track on it, um, and they're going to uh, let you test drive all the stuff there, and that's where they're actually going to be building stuff. So they're doing microfunding right now. And they don't even have the building facility, so it kind of sounds scammy. But when the people at Electric talked to them, they said it's because they're going to uh, – they they are running stuff right now in production, but they're just getting um, funding to open this other facility. So it, they're not they're not taking – it's not like Scully where they're taking deposits and then they'll get back to you. <laughs> I was right? just thinking of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the first thing I thought of too is like Scully or something. But apparently they're already running production out of – Austin and they they just want to build this facility to get everything in one spot. Um so that's pretty cool. Um another thing I heard this year, 
uh, I actually read this on Kat Taylor from the Misfits. She used to be on the Misfits all the time. Uh, she works at, at Zero. Um, and I read on her thing that Zero and Polaris are getting together for one of their military models. So, oh, dang. Yeah. So, this is also, um, so Pol- Polaris and Zero are going to be teaming up to do some side by side stuff. So, here's this company, too, going to be teaming up to do, uh, um, or not teaming up, but introducing some more electric side by side. So, it's crazy. Um, you know, uh, uh, we were talking about Gavin Newsom earlier in the show. And uh, this year he announced that he wants by 2035, like all the new vehicles being sold here to be electric, um, which is, it's ridiculous. I don't think it's going to happen. I remember when they tried to do this to Ford back in the 2000, I think uh, it was either Clinton going out or um, Bush coming in that did that. Um, He, they, uh, they wanted like 40% of Fords to be electric by the time, uh, uh, 2000 hit or 2002 or something like that. Well, uh, I just heard that, um, well, not just recently, but, but fairly recently, uh, GM was saying that they're going all electric in what, like five or 10 years or yeah. something or 15 yeah. years. And Volvo announced that, uh, I want to say Volvo announced that already two years ago that they were going to be all electric by five years. And they are, from what I understand in Europe, they are all electric. And then BMW and Mercedes. Yeah. It's everybody's, I don't think it's necessarily the the governor here in this state is going to do anything about it. What I do think is that the industry in general is going to see this trend um, of what's happening and and what people are expecting. And so I think that's even in his statement, I think Newsom said that uh, it was just trying to nudge people in the right direction direction. Cause obviously in 2000 um, Ford was given that, uh, you know, Ford was asked to do that. And uh, whoops, Uh, I think I lost Paul here. We'll try to call him back in one second. Oh, okay. It's working. Yay. Welcome back to creative writing, everybody. <laughs> We're, we, uh, fix- we, we cut that out, right? Yeah, we cut that out. <laughs> um, yeah. Piece of equipment died here. So I'm just plugging you straight in, straight into the uh, <laughs> mixer. All right. So yeah. Anyway, get back to what we we're, what I was talking about is, uh, in 2000, I want to say they, they wanted, um, uh, Ford to go all electric, and I think they made the suggestion to GM. And back then, you can remember what happened like in 2005, right? SUVs were flying off the shelves. Like from 2000 to oh, 2005, yeah. that was the biggest selling thing. Like it absolutely didn't work. It actually backfired. <laughs> I think people bought b- more SUVs after they wanted them to go electric. So it's not always what the uh, government wants anyway. It's what the people will buy. What people want, yeah. Yeah, for sure. So I don't think that um, necessarily Newsom saying that stuff is going to be all electric by 2035. He may be behind the car makers. They they may are, have already been thinking of that, you know, and so we may be seeing more and more and more uh, electric and hybrid stuff coming through. Um, and speaking of hybrids, you know, Honda's been talking about a hybrid for a long time. And not that I know anything is coming up from them, but... Um, I was reading this thing I, on some of these motorcycle brands that are in production in Europe right now. They are getting a hybrid version, 
and it is to you know like Paris has out has actually is one of the cities that currently outlaws um, gas vehicles at certain hours and um, right. yeah so these little hybrid models that only get like uh, on the electric motor gets like. 36 or 50 or something like, uh, or maybe even a hundred miles on a charge. And everyone's like, that's not, that's not enough. You know, that's what are you doing? That's not enough to go anywhere. And they say, yeah, but it's for hybrid purposes. You're not supposed to be running on gas in the city. So you drive to the city on the gas motor and then you use the hybrid so that you qualify to ride around in the city. And then when you're done with work and you're commuting back home, you kick it back to gas or whatever. So, that's another option that I see coming down the road. Getting two motors on a motorcycle, maybe, uh, and keeping it under the size of a gold wing might be tricky. <laughs> so I don't know a hundred percent how that's going to work, but I guess if you're commuting to work, um, there's worse things to ride in than, the, than a gold wing. Right. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, for sure. I think that is part of the future and, and seeing these companies pop up that aren't, um, that aren't Janus, you know, Janus is using life and motors that are gas. So to see a bunch of electric companies popping up and a bunch of, uh, you know, like, uh, Polaris and zero, uh, teaming up. Um, that's pretty interesting to me. That says a lot about where we, like you said, where we're going, where the industry's going. Um, and I got something on you. We've been on the phone for like two hours. I don't want to keep you too late. Cause it's going to get here pretty, pretty late, uh, real quick, but I do want to mention one more thing, and this might be near and dear to your heart, which is the old, uh, Honda, um, Honda released the new pioneer 520 and the rebel 1100, uh, this last week. Um, and the rebel 1100 is probably the biggest news since the pioneer already has, it's probably going to borrow a lot from the, uh, four tracks foreman Rubicon that has the same motor. So the rebel, um, that's the biggest one. And do you remember when the rebels dropped uh, a few years ago at IMS? That was like when they made their world debut, they waited till they got here to announce the rebels. Um, was that the, was it like a five fifty or six fifty when it, is that what that the, yeah. the rebel was? Yeah, they dropped the, the they dropped that two hundred, which had been like the staple of every like riding class ever, right? I, I remember they yeah, had the, nine, yeah, the old, old yeah, 250, yeah, exactly. So you could take your riding course on like a night Nighthawk two fifty or a um, Rebel two fifty, basically. And they dropped the two fifty. I think it was twenty fourteen or fifteen, and they redid them as a three hundred and five hundred. Um, okay, 500. Okay, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, and I, and they use those 300 and 500 motors and so many... If you look at Honda's website right now, it's like, you know, you got the Gold Wings and stuff, of course, and then you got the Africa Twins, and then you just got a 1,300 and 500. It's like all different displacements. So it's so weird that they have... Those are pretty popular uh, motor sizes for all their stuff. Um, and so the Rebel 1100 looks a lot like the Rebel... 500 just on steroids it's bigger it's way bigger just looking at them next to each other you can tell it's an actually way bigger bike um but the thing is is that honda hasn't really had they've had the fury which is kind of like a joke cruiser you know what i'm saying yeah i don't know who goes and buys a fury i haven't really ever seen any on the road um and they do look like a plastic toy version of a of a cruiser or like a, a custom chopper right um, yeah. they, they look very plain. There's not a whole lot of edgy custom looks on those things. Um, so 
when the rebels came out of IMS, do you remember they had all those ones there that were chopped and brat style and, um, Oh yeah. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. So when they brought those out, it wasn't just like the 200. It wasn't like a Yamaha V star 250. You're just going to go look at this crummy thing that's copying a big bike. They were their own thing for sure. And they made you aware that there was, they made it feel at least like there was already a custom scene for them. Right. And so I think that was setting this Rebel 1100 up pretty good because if you think about the interstate, um, they are, they haven't actually had the um, interstate around for the last couple of years. They got rid of all the cool custom ones like the uh, – I mean, they had the CTX 1300. That's not around anymore. Um, the Honda Shadow actually has skipped production years in the last couple of years. They brought it out. Um, apparently didn't sell enough, so they just let, the, let it ride for a year and then – so they skipped a whole year of production and then brought it back again for 2020. And I'm not sure it's doing a whole hell of a lot better. So they got rid of the shadow arrow and the shadow phantom and the shadow, uh, regular shadow and all these other ones that they used to have. And they really just narrowed it down to just a couple. And then, like I said, they brought them back, skipped a year of production, brought them back. Um, so I don't think they're doing real hot. Um, and the fury uh, ironically is the only one that's been around, um, this whole time and without skipping a production year, I think. So now this Rebel 1100 is like, it's going to have DCT. Um, it's going to look custom. And the big point when they brought those ones to IMS, do you remember the paints, uh, the paint, um, jobs on that blue one that was like all camouflage and it kind of had like chopper bars. Yeah. Yep. Like that thing he told me, they literally just unbolted some pieces on it. Um, and they built that thing with customization in mind. And so this 1100 looks the same. And I think that they are hoping that people take this thing and customize it and do the things that people do with Harleys, right? So I don't know. I feel like the 1100 um, is, I think it's using the Africa Twin 1100 also. So that motor's already proven and it's already pretty powerful. Um, and my buddy showed me a uh, uh, render that some Japanese company did of a CB1100X looks a lot like a VFR. I got to tell you like the, it looks like, remember the VFR 1200 that was a D their first yeah. DCT. It looks like that. Yep. Yeah. kind of looks like that had a baby with one of the, um, uh, I don't know, one of the, one of the other bikes that, um, like the old V4 or like the ST1300 or something like that. Like it, it looked pretty cool, but I was like, wow. So you're going to get rid of a, um, uh, the V4, the VFR 1200X for a parallel twin CB1100X, right? Because people want that upright style right now. I think I think right. with, the, with the motorcycle market right now, guys that are our age, because you and I are the same age, um, we're – gonna be the old guys soon right <laughs> we're, we're gonna be the old dudes on on bikes pretty soon so i think people are getting away from that sport bike thing and so um i think that tell is a very telling when you look at a lot of what ducatis are being put out um and what hondas are going to like with all the 650s and the 1000 um like the cb1000 they're sporty but they're not hunched over the tank you know what i'm saying right so this yep. cb1100x that rendering that my uh co-worker showed me actually looked pretty sweet it, it looked a lot like the vfrs and i was like yeah that would make sense to bring the via something like the vfr back um i don't know they're getting their money's worth out of the africa twin that's for sure so <laughs> 
that's a a good motor from what what I hear. So I guess they're gonna we're gonna ne- not see any more interstates or shadow phantoms or CTX thirteen hundreds and all that stupid stuff that they had. Um, yeah, it's been a hell of a year, and that's that's some of the news that's been popping up. Um, do you have anything that you've heard uh, that was exciting to you this year? Uh, man, I'm, I feel like I'm so unplugged, you know, I mean, just, uh, there's so much just going on that I'm trying to stay plugged into what's going on in the motor, motorcycle scene has, has been tough, but, um, I mean, the, I liked the, uh, the Proya 660 that came out. Um, I thought it, it was a great looking sport bike, but still designed for a beginner. Um, uh, I, I, I really like that. And then I, for the last few months I've been, I've been really digging on the Honda monkey. Cause I, again, yeah. I came close to, you know, just something fun to bomb around town. I, I thought about the Grom and the, the Z125 when those were out, but, um, and, but the monkeys just got a lot more character and, you know, retro looking. And, um, but I, you know, I just haven't been able to, to justify the, you know, the, uh, another bike sitting in the park in the garage when you <laughs> right. have to part time out just to ride it, you know. It's, right. Um, when I, when, when I, I guess, when I bring the VFR back, you're really going to be like, oh man, like no, I got to make room for a monkey now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, the monkey is one of those bikes that just Steady Garage got to do this really cool things. We were speaking to Catalina a little bit ago, and they got to take him over there, and they called it Monkey Island, and they did this whole thing where they rode him around. And Catalina is all about small cars. Uh, like I said, they got minis there, like the biggest collection of minis in Southern California probably. They're all over there on Catalina. And they they have little tiny cars that they drive around over there because it's a small island, right? And uh, yeah. very, very few full-size cars. So that monkey makes so much sense over there. Um, and it just looks like it fits in with all the small buildings and small cars. And then you're right. It looks like so much fun. And watching the guys, um, Ari Henning and um, Zach Quartz on Throttle Out ride those things down the Baja, I thought that was pretty sweet. Like, that was pretty cool to watch. It was ridiculous, you know, but it also looked like a lot of fun. It looked, yeah, a lot of fun. Yeah. And I, I, I do. The, the Ironically, the guy... Two years ago, I didn't obviously talk to him this year, and then last year um, it was the same story. Um, the Goldwing might be their big luxury liner, um, and the CB1000 might be the you know the one all the young guys want to buy. Um, and it, like we said, ain't nobody buying buying a Fury or an Interstate. But out of all those middle bikes, like the um, from the CB600 down to the CB300. Uh, he said the monk, the Grom is the biggest seller. So the 125s are the biggest sellers. And of course the super cub is the biggest worldwide seller. And they just brought those to the States, uh, last year. Right. And so I noticed this year, um, they had also announced that the trail 125 is over here. And I thought, Holy crap. Um, the CT 90 was really popular back in the like seventies. I seen some ads of a guy, deer hunting yeah you meet you meet the nicest you meet the nicest people on one of those yeah that and yeah and that <laughs> one was that's their like iconic thing and so there was a, actually an ad of a guy on a trail 90 or i think they called it the ct90 um and then they had like a 110 
and he in the ad the dude's deer hunting and i was like that is like og for like the for like the 70s to show somebody deer hunting out out enjoying nature on your trail quote trail bike where nowadays it's like oh it's not a gs you can't take that onto a trail so i'm stoked to see they're bringing back the trail 125 and then it's gonna have all the um, power and kick that the the Super Cub and like the Grom and all that stuff has. I know that when I say power and kick, I'm talking like single digit horsepower, but I, th- I don't think people realize that that means like triple digit fun. You know what I'm saying? Like it's so fun to take those things out and thrash them around. When, yeah, when it's when it's small and lightweight like that, and, and and you can feel like you you can muscle that thing around. That you know, those are real fun. Yeah, I don't think people would. Uh, like I've ridden my mountain bike on a hiking trail one time that was pretty narrow and people were like, wow, what are you riding that thing on here for? And I'm like, well, it doesn't say it's only a hiking trail. Right. And I, I almost feel like the 125, I would have got less guff for <laughs> riding that thing on a trail than I would have my mountain bike. It's just like, nobody's going to say anything. If you're on a big dirt bike. Yeah. But if you're on one of these things, it's like, Oh look, there's somebody on a utility bike out here, you know? And so, yeah, I yeah, just, very I, yeah. Humane. Yeah, for sure. So I'm with you on that monkey thing. Um, that is that is pretty cool. And and of course, the biggest news of 2020 is that there hasn't been a lot of in-your-face news. So most of the stuff um, I've seen has been, like you said, keeping plugged in this year, just being so damn busy with motorcycles that ironically I couldn't uh, keep abreast of every single thing that's happening. I, racing has gone by me this year for sure. Racing. I know there was a flat yep. track uh, championship this year and I couldn't even tell you who won it. Um, oh yeah. Well, yeah. Speaking of racing and then all of a sudden, uh, um, what was the big thing? Uh, bagger street racing, oh, sh- or, you know, like yeah. that circuit race. Yeah. I w- that was I, crazy. I was just, that, that is now that did, that is something that, um, really, uh, stoke the fires this this year i was just listening to wingman's garage from february and daniel on that show was talking about what a bad idea it was going to be and how people were just going to be cartwheeling their baggers into the corners at laguna seca and it was the worst idea in the world and i have to tell you that was one of the best races i've seen all year long was the baggers at laguna seca that was fun like that was yeah i gotta say it was pretty fun to watch dude and it didn't hurt to know a couple of the people in it, you know? Uh, yeah, that, um, the Indian, you know, the, and it was almost all Harleys with one, with two Indians. Right. And so, uh, I'm wanting to see some like Yamaha star ventures out there next time. And I know the BMW, somebody was saying, Oh, but it's twins. You can't have like the, uh, the gold wing out there. And I was like, well, shit, the K 1600, the, what's it called? The BMW K 1600. That's a six cylinder, but it says bagger right in the name. Right. So <laughs> I want to see some, I want to see all, all the baggers next time. That was just <laughs> too cool. And, and yeah. that was really, really cool to see that type of participation and, uh, uh, to watch them huck those things around. Uh, granted they weren't, you know, they were pretty expensive and they were custom machines, but they were still baggers at heart. And I don't think they could change the frame. Um, so, I mean, they were the stock bagger frame. Um, so yeah, it was kind of cool seeing those things. That was some, some of the closest racing, uh, for nothing for an exhibition, you know, uh, 
so yeah, that was that was real good. That I'm glad you brought that up because it's on my other set of notes. I didn't even put it on this set that I'm reading from. Um, yeah, that that was a kick ass that was a kick ass event. I hope they bring that back, and I hope they bring bagger racing to uh, Isle of Man, uh, and <laughs> I hope they let baggers back on Pikes Peak. And <laughs> right, uh, and I hate baggers. I mean, I pretty much hate that style of bike, but at the same time, yeah, but just to you know. It just to mix things up, it was it was neat. You know? Yeah, I'm 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 about everything that's unconventional, and so that was honestly one of the best things I'd seen all year, racing wise. Um, speaking of ra- the, some of the only racing I did see was during lockdown, uh, the virtual MotoGP that they had. I thought that was really cool. I like watching racers race, and Wiggins was like, "Eh, man, I don't want to see a bunch of like." internet dudes racing and i was like i don't think you understand what i'm saying it was the it was the real moto gp guys racing as themselves in the moto gp game for entertainment (laughs) yeah Yeah. i thought that was pretty pretty fun and quarteraro did really good in that fabio quarteraro um and mark marquez and i thought those uh when when racing did come back online I thought Fabio Quartararo was going to actually win the championship too, or or come in second behind Marquez. And then I don't know what happened, man. Johan Mir ended up winning the whole thing on a Suzuki for the first time since like 1980 something, you know? And I was like, whoa. Um, I thought it was really crappy that when Marquez crashed out, they Honda said this year is nothing like this year is just going to have a huge asterisk because without Marquez here to fight for the championship, this year is nothing. I thought that was kind of a snarky and a really crappy thing to say, but it turned out that it made it, it. It did one thing. It showcased how good Marquez is. He's a checkers or wreckers guy, but I mean, he, you gotta love that he's won like m- the majority of the last decade of of uh, uh, championships. Um, yep. And you also got to realize that when he's gone, look at these opportunities that popped up. There was all sorts of different people winning and some of the superstars losing, you know what I'm saying? So it was an interesting year. Um, and that's about all the racing that I caught. Um, I did watch some Moto America because you can see their stuff free on YouTube. But um, MotoGP was letting people watch for free during the pandemic, which is cool. A, a lot of people went free for during the pandemic. So the, out of the pandemic, something cool did come, and that was watching professional racers to see how bad they suck at video games. <laughs> that was really <laughs> fun. And then this bagger thing, like that just was awesome to watch. And the fact that everybody was kind of given free access to their stuff during it was kind of nice it's kind of like my wife said you know the nicest people have ever ever been to her is when she was pregnant and so i feel like everybody was pregnant this year and (laughs) and the people that had the means to do so were like holding the door for us you know and letting us get a peek behind the the scenes and stuff but yeah that was a good year it was it was a it was been a crazy year but um i'm glad that we're at the end of it now for what seemed like a month of you know, Mondays and the the month of March was never going to end. I mean, I when when it turned April, I totally forgot. You know, I couldn't have told you when March ended and uh, September began, right? Um, but now that we're at the end of it, I feel like it's just flying by. So, yeah. So it's been a good bad year. <laughs> so, um, we've been yakking for quite a bit. Paul, thank you so much for coming on this week. Um, I. I have a couple of announcements that, uh, to make about next week and that's about it. I think that's our show. 
Um, yeah, this year was uh, something else, and I'm I'm not glad to hear that I'm not the only one that got, you know, quadruply busy with with doing nothing. Um, where I thought I would have a bunch of free time and I didn't. Um, and I'm also glad to hear that uh, I'm not the only one that didn't get out to ride and lost a little bit of connection. So next year, I look forward to seeing you in person. Hopefully they bring the Motorcycle Podcasters Challenge back. And hopefully, at least by mid-year, hopefully everything's back. Um, despite what's happening in the world right now, hopefully we're, we're on our way back toward... Um, being where we were this time 2019 you know what i'm saying hopefully australia is on fire again and we can have a hard reset (laughs) 2021 that's what it's all about yeah for sure all right well thanks for hanging out on the show this week and uh if you get a chance um after you watch the film festival let's have a little powwow and get together and uh, recap some of these uh movies and maybe we can get people interested in next year's or if they have one later this year we'll get them interested in that what do you say? Sounds like a plan. Sweet. All right, P.S., I will talk to you later, and uh, have a good night. All right, you too, Larry. All right. Who the fuck is Larry? Tobor, sometimes you just got... I, you know what? I know what. That is uh, the old producer guy that used to help out sometimes, actually runs our Facebook page, Um and uh, sometimes you just got to roll with it. Hey, if, if they called me Steve, I'd go go listen to episode 24. We're all named Steve on that ep- episode. It don't matter. So, all right, everybody. Well, listen up. Patrons, uh, I got something for you. So, listen, you heard us mentioning it there. Um, this show has been a long-ass shit show, by the way. And uh, thank you for sticking around this long. If you have, we're going to decide the Spooky Spokes winner soon. Um, well, it's like a two months afterwards. Well, submit a spooky spoke and make it a lot easier. I would have just probably drew names out of a hat if I had a couple Patreon entrants and I knew I had to enter them twice because they are uh, $5 and more patrons. Um, so listen, we're going to do something pretty soon. You heard us talking about it a little bit there. Uh, expect me to announce a winner within the next couple weeks. Tomorrow I'm pretty busy. Yeah, tomorrow I got like some Boy Scout shit. Uh, then there's next week work, but I'm going to try and hammer some stuff out, um, next week to get the patron winner, uh, decided. All right. If you're a $5 and over patron, you get automatically entered into our, uh, prize, prize competitions like spooky spokes, which was, this was the last year of it. Um, and social slam and all that fun stuff and any future ones that we come up with. So, uh, yeah, you're still going to win something. You still have won something if you're a patron. You're still going to get your stuff. I just need to figure out how to make it fun, and I think I've got it. I think the idea that I mentioned there with, with uh, Bri Biffer is going to be what we go with there. So, slot cars is. All right, everybody. Have a safe and crazy weekend. Enjoy the Motorcycle Film Festival if you haven't yet. Sorry for the b- political rant at the front. I guess I should have put a disclaimer at the front that says the views and opinions of the Motorcycle Podcast are those of the uh, Motorcycle Podcast and not necessarily those of Tobor. Listen, Tobor. You should really stop smoking crack on the show. Not a chance. All right, everybody. Have a good weekend. Bye. <laughs>